No, I was going to say, I can't believe we made it through that Splatoon section without anyone saying, you've got to be squidding me. Oh. <laughs> you know that's going to be in the beginning of the show now, though. <laughs> Welcome to the Negative World Podcast, a podcast about video games by Nintendo fans at NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 79, and we are recording this on Friday, June 5th, 2015. I'm your host, Steven, and with me is my co-host, Joe. Hello, Steven. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's Friday, and I really needed it to be Friday today. T-G-I Friday. Let's see. T-F-G-I-F. Hmm. Getting a little blue early on in the show. <laughs> um, that the, the, the laughter you're hearing is not uh, a ghost or a creaky floor. Or a, a laugh track. <laughs> we should have a laugh track. That'd be really pointless. But uh, yeah, it's actually a veteran of the show. He's currently all the way across the freaking earth. Uh, it's Hendrick. And you might know him as Jargon. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, guys. Welcome. Representing Guam. Yep. <laughs> Well, representing Guam and, and Saturday mornings, and here yep. we are saying TJF for like TJS. Oh. Yeah, I already got that Friday out of the way. Yeah, was it a good Friday? It was. It wasn't good Friday, but it was a good Friday. Yeah. Will that carry over to us? Has it been? Carried I over hope so. Uh, yeah, in the future, here on Saturday, it's awesome. Just yeah. so you guys know. <laughs> okay. Other flying cars and <laughs> boards. Almost. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, thanks for getting up really early to be on the show with us tonight, which makes no sense. But uh, it's been about a year since you've been on the show with us, actually. I looked it up. It's been well, a while. I was feeling the urge. Had to get back on. We really appreciate it. That said, shall we get started? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, the first thing we got to do is, as uh, the listeners might come to expect now, is uh, update on ukulele, because this is probably the last one we'll get through before, uh, you know, the next podcast. And I don't know if you guys have it pulled up, but right now, Ukulele, a 3D platformer rare revival, is uh, got 11 days to go. There's 59,435 backers who have pledged in uh, U.S. dollars 2760467 bucks, which is pretty damn awesome. And then uh, converted to... Um, the uh, global British pound is uh, 1,788,918, and their next stretch goal is actually not till 2 million, so they're quite a bit of ways away. I think, if anything, they might hit that, but it won't be till the final rush. Uh, I think this is a very top-heavy uh, Kickstarter, and we've kind of gone through it all. Just to remind people, the 2 million uh, global British pounds, I could probably just call them pounds, um... <clears throat> That stretch goal is actually the free DLC. We've kind of gone through all that as far as uh, talking about it on the show, but I wanted to get Hendrick's thoughts on ukulele. Uh, you know, is this something you're excited for? Um, I'm not super excited. I wasn't the biggest Banjo Kazooie fan. I mean, I appreciated it as you know, kind of like a 
if I wanted more of my O64, I could go to that. But um, it wasn't. I never played DK64 or Banjo-Tooie, so I'm not like, you know, the biggest fan of rare platformers. But I do think, you know, it's been so long since we've gotten a proper entry into that genre that I'm, you know, if it comes out and there's good reviews, then I'll definitely be open to trying it. Okay, so you're definitely not one of the 59,000 backers. I'm not, and I'm actually not a Kickstarter guy. Oh no, but we don't we don't need to get into that. But I, um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to back it. But I'll definitely pick it up if it if it is received well once it comes out. Sure. Well, I mean, I've, I it makes me wonder with nearly sixty thousand backers, how many people are going to buy it after the fact? And I wonder how that how Kickstarters affect that kind of thing. You know, um. Right. If they I don't know. see big pushes afterwards, if there's a lot of people that hold off, or, or if it if it's just that's it, and that's typically you know if that's like eighty percent of the people that end up getting the games. Right. Well, this, those shovel knight guys have shown tried to be pretty transparent, so I bet they, if you ask them, or they may have already told everyone how that has gone since they released. That's a good point because that buzz has been very strong well past its release. So. Right. That's a good point. Well, you know, I, I don't want to stay too long on the topic. I just kind of want to touch base on it with the listeners. And, uh, again, just to retread what I've said in the past, looking forward to the game, just like apparently we all are. And uh, in 11 days, which is actually, I think, as many days till E3. Uh, is that right? I think so, something like that. Coming up pretty damn soon. Yeah. Either way, it, it leads us into E3 week, and that's part of their plan. We don't know if there's anything related to to ukulele that they're really going to show us, but I expect some surprises. They actually released a really cool piece of art today, uh, swamp-based art, and I recommend everyone go check it out. But that said, moving on, uh, the the next section of the podcast was actually something that uh, I wanted to just... I, want, I, I got my Amiibo for Wave 4, and I just wanted to unbox them, you know, so everyone can see through listening, <laughs> and, and so you can hear, like, hear me opening them. Yes, hear that? That's me oh. tearing the cardboard backs off. This is uh, exciting. Actually, no, we're not going to do that. I'm just kidding. Audio and I do, I do have them, though. That was uh, quite an endeavor, but we won't go into that. I just wanted to mention it. What we really want to talk about is something that we've been holding back on for many, at least a full month, if not maybe two months. Uh, but Jargon, uh, Hendrik, you kind of, in a maybe a yearly thing now that you're kind of responsible for, so lucky you. Uh, uh, yeah. You put on a March Madness bracket for Negative World, and as usual, yeah. you know it got a lot of uh, attention. And uh, let's talk about it because we haven't had a chance to go over who won, you know, uh, who we thought maybe made could have made it farther, just what surprised us. So, can you tell us about the bra- bracket, please? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, I call it March Madness, but it seems like it always lasts until almost May because it takes up a long time to get everyone's votes and everything. But, um, you know, we had a good time last year, I thought, picking the overall bet favorite Nintendo game. No real surprise that it was Ocarina of Time. Mm. Um, but I thought this, we could do something new that might have a little bit more unexpected result. So I, uh, thought of the idea of doing a third party bracket. And I just seeded the games for three of the regions. I did it the same way that I had done with the previous, um, bracket by just picking negative worlds rankings and seeding the games in that way. And I like to do that. I like to pick some kind of outside source instead of just using 
it coming up with them off the top of my head because then it feels like a real upset you know when something loses that negative world has actually ranked higher then you feel like oh wow like this is a surprise so um and then i to, to kind of switch things up i also added one region which was not which was games that were never appeared on nintendo systems so um you know, your Grand Theft Autos, Portal, things like that. Um, and for that region, we don't have, we do now have thir- uh, third party games on third party platform games in the negative world database, but so few people have rated any of them that it wasn't really accurate, I didn't think. So I just took game rankings, um, top games of all time from non Nintendo platforms and threw them into the region. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of randomly spread them about. No, I mean, I took how they were ranked on game rankings. So, you know, I think Grand Theft Auto was like five out of the 60, uh, 16 entries, or mm-hmm. maybe even six. So I, I, I don't think it exactly reflected what people like on Negative Worlds. Um, and I think every Grand Theft Auto game lost like almost immediately. So Yeah, uh, looking at it right now, it looks like the only one I can see is Grand Theft Auto 4. Just barely beat out Ninja Gaiden Black, and then that moved on to uh, be crushed by Portal Two with fifteen to that thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that was more like Portal saying, "What are you doing here? Get the hell out of my house!" (laughs) Right. So yeah, um, but so I I do think you know we could have had Final Fantasy VII that wasn't on there. Symphony of the Night maybe it would have been more more beloved by people on our site, but. You can't. There's no perfect way to do it, so I think it turned out fine. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely something that made us think differently. I mean, one of the challenges I think of this bracket was because we're such hardcore Nintendo fans that we not only haven't heard of some of these, but we definitely haven't played some of these. And in my opinion, for something like this on the on the forums, I mean, it's not an official you know pollster kind of thing that it's fair to just vote based on whatever knowledge or experience you have. So I always encourage people to vote no matter what. Right. But, uh, a lot of people kind of shy away from that, especially in that final bracket where these were games on other systems that they definitely had never uh, never had an opportunity to play. Right, and I mean, I know some, the reason I put it in a separate bracket instead of spreading them out throughout the whole thing is I know that some people just aren't really interested in talking about games that haven't been on Nintendo forums, so they could just steer clear of those threads and it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really well, I think. I think that was a smart move on your part. Yeah. So... I want to jump back to the start of this uh, conversation where you mentioned that it was pretty obvious for the uh, the Nintendo game bracket that we had done last year with uh, Ocarina of Time winning. So with the winner of this one, which I'll let you announce, do you feel like that was also kind of an obvious choice? Or did I, you don't, expect- I don't think so. I mean, Chrono Trigger won, but mm-hmm. it didn't, by no means was, did it romp its way through. I mean, it only won by four votes, I think, over Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a really close battle against Mega Man 2. So I think it could have gone either way. Um, just a few votes here or there could have changed everything. Right, right. I mean, it is a great game. Everyone loves Chrono Trigger, I think, who's played it. Um, but it's not like Ocarina of Time, where the whole world pretty much agrees. Mm-hmm. And so, what, uh, I guess, what games did you feel like kind of surprised you? When you saw the results, um, well, in the, in the one thing I was kind of disappointed, and this is maybe 
I sort of expected this, but I'm a big original Halo fan. Just so many memories in college of playing it, and I thought, I thought it, you know, despite the fact that it kind of had this reputation as like everything that Nintendo isn't, it came to at least during the Xbox area, it seemed to. I thought that it would last longer, but it ended up losing the first round. <clears throat> Who did it lose to? Um, a favorite of yours, I believe, The Last of Us. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'm staring right at. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by one vo- by one vote, but absolutely. Uh, and that that leads me to my next point is. I actually kind of liked this part of the bracket the most because even though I didn't have that much experience with some of these games, it was a way for me to really root for some games that I are so beloved by me that I don't get to talk about very much on the forums like Bioshock and The Last of Us, which really bummed me out when you put that against me and I had to vote between Bioshock and The Last of Us <laughs> in the second round. But right. uh, I mean, Portal 2 is, is great from what I've played. I've, I really want to play Half-Life 2. I've never played that before. Um, I dabbled in the Gran Turismo series and Grand Theft Auto, and but I was less connected to that. But to see The Last of Us and Bioshock, I was just rooting and then cussing out everybody pretty much who disagreed with me. Right. Well, oh yeah, and then look at this too. So The Last of Us beats out Bioshock, and then goes up against Half Life Two, which not that I've played it, but I've I actually again have a really strong urge to play because I've really kind of loved it over the years from what I've seen and just never got a chance to. To dive in, so which goes against Portal, the other game that I've played. So, Last well, I think it, it's fitting that Portal Two won. I think because it's really it's one of the most Nintendo-like non-Nintendo games. I feel like you know, in the little bit of time I played, I can absolutely agree with that. Have you played that, Joe? Portal Two at all? No, no, I've never played any either of those games. They look really good, though. Yeah, if you can get a chance, because what they really do, kind of like almost like Mario Galaxy. It'll just like take one mechanic for each kind of area and just build on it and build on it and build on it. And it ends up with like really cool inventive ideas. The only downside to Portal 2 that I've seen is I'm not that savvy with keyboard mouse controls. And uh, so some of those actions you have to do to solve puzzles kind of require some quick reflexes and, and being very familiar with that kind of gameplay. And I'm more of a Wiimote a nunchuck kind of guy with you know, right. that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean there are some there are some where you'd be like jumping and you need to shoot pretty precisely, but it's that's certainly nothing like an FPS. Like no. you don't need to be that skilled, I don't think. And there's, I mean, in the way in what I've played, there's not too many things like coming at you that you have to avoid. It's more of a thinking puzzler, you know. Right, definitely. What I like, and actually, we'll get into some more of that I think later uh, in the show, but. Um, I guess. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention about the bracket? Um, Not really. I mean, I, it was a fun time. I hope everybody enjoyed voting. I mean, it's a lot of work to put that together, and so I appreciate everybody coming in and and helping me get it get it done. Yeah, well, it's it's something that takes up, like you said, it takes up some time on the boards. Uh, there's at least two, sometimes three days for voting on, on a single round, and I like that it kind of brings us all together for these random topics, and it's spread out over time. It's kind of like a nice slow burn. Yep, right. Yeah, so I appreciate that you did that. Sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So that said, let's uh, move on to now playing. And to start with that, let's hear what uh, Hendrix's been playing. I mean, you, you have like 20 games you mentioned <laughs> that you've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing a lot. I don't know what it what it's about lately that I've just been like coming home and sitting in bed and playing on my 3DS a lot or 
even my DS Lite, I've been playing some Game Boy Advance games on that. So, um, one thing I've been coming back to a lot recently is playing with my wife and, um, and playing with my nieces back home too is, uh, Mario Kart 8. Um, I know that came out a long time ago, but, but since the DLC, it kind of has reinvigorated my playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I could not be more impressed with the most recent DS, DLC pack. Do you guys both have that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys, I'm sure, know just how, like, I don't know, this, I think they, I know this took a long time to come out, but it seems like they, like, got every last inch of, uh, like, greatness they could out of these tracks. Do you think that they were intentionally releasing them six months apart, or do you think it actually took them time to polish it? And I mean, I don't know, I think probably they, they said, alright, we want, like, here's when we want to, like, get people paying attention again. Um, but I do think that, uh, I do think that they used all the time that they had to just make this as good as possible. Absolutely agree. And there's something, there was something special, I think, about the second pack. The first pack was very cool. It had the, uh, I'm, I'm not going to remember the, the track names, I apologize, but it had the Zelda based track. Hyrule Circuit. Hyrule Circuit. Okay, thank you. Uh, it also had that dragon, kind of Asian dragon. Uh, dragon Driftway. Dragon Driftway. Dragon Driftway, great. And that one, <laughs> that one's got some wild turns and everything, and it was a really yeah. cool theme, and there's so much originality. And then they come out with the second pack, which, in my opinion, took it even further. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the attention to detail, that's like the number one thing that stuck out to me. I mean, you, in the first pack, there was cool little things like the rupees and Hyrule Circuit. But I feel like they took it to the next level in this one. Um, like the Animal Crossing, you have like a little bell bag next to your coins. Mm-hmm. Just like they, uh, and like in the Ribbon Road, there's the Mario Kart 8 poster and Yarn Yoshi is there. And there's, I, that I think is my favorite level from Mario Kart 8, um, Ribbon Road, because there's just so many little things, that, like little Easter eggs that you see every time you play, you notice something d- different. Well, not to uh, divert us from uh, the game itself, but I actually did put a uh, survival poll for Mar- the Mario Kart 8 DLC pack. I don't recall how much you participated in that one, but uh, the first place winner of that was actually Rib- Ribbon Road, as voted nice. to by uh, by the Negative Worlders. And for probably that same reason, because Ribbon Road was originally a Game Boy Advance track, and if you watch video of it on, on YouTube or if you play it again, it's super flat and boring. I mean, just right. ridiculously, like, I mean, it was probably cute at the time, and but it's nothing mind-blowing. And they went way far and beyond what they needed to, uh, to you know, for this track. And if you watch the Game Explained video that goes through all the details, I mean, I'm, I was fascinated by that. It's like a 10-minute video, and they just tell you all these little details that are in this thing. Racing oh, yeah. doesn't do it justice. And my, uh, I was, when I was preparing for the podcast, I looked at a review from someone that said that, like, all the tracks in the new DLC seem like they're out of a Pixar movie. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just think that they nailed it. They, the graphics are better. Like, the first DLC, I thought maybe they hadn't taken as much time to polish it, but this one that seems like even better than the main courses. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was um 
I, I downloaded it, and for some reason, I don't know if I was just busy during the first week, or maybe I just wasn't expecting quite this much from it, but it took me a good week, or maybe two, before I got around to actually exploring the DLC and playing it. And by the time I did, I was just like, I mean, I was blown away by it. I, I just couldn't believe how impressive these courses were and this content was, right. uh, you know. It's not, I mean, the game and the previous DLC pack are also amazing, but this just, it was, it, like you guys are saying, it wasn't just more, it was more and better somehow. I mean, it really, right. they really did an amazing job. The, the Wild Woods course is just, it just blows my I, mind. I just love racing around on that track. And as much Mario Kart as I've played, it feels new, which is right. amazing. I like to uh, pretend that when you guys have both played Xenoblade, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to pretend I I 100%. pretend Wild Woods is Nopon Village from Xenoblade. Yeah, looks very and, like, close the, to it. Yeah. And like so, then it's almost like another addition to the whole Smash <laughs> Smash Kart world. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's another thing about the DLC. Like I I wasn't one of the big Smash Kart guys, and I still I still think that Mario Kart should at its core be Mario and be focusing on Mario, but. I'm definitely come around on having cameos from other uh, series. Like I've been playing l- lately as Isabel and uh, mm-hmm. Villager a lot, and like they just they're just so perfect, such perfect fits. So if Nintendo decided to go with Smash Kart next time around, or some other version of a Nintendo Kart, and there was definitely a lot of Mario characters, but they were more or less maybe half and half. Would that be okay with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd give it a go. I mean, I, I think. I don't think they'll do that because Mario Kart is such a big name that they they want to keep it that way. But gradually introduce more and more people, I think would be fine. And this might maybe upset some people if uh, they're really big fans of these characters. But over the years, I felt like characters like Birdo and and some other characters just weren't that great of additions. But it's kind of like Nintendo pulling, you know, okay, well that character is somewhat recognizable. Let's just throw them in here. I'd much rather see a third, well, not a third party, but a non Mario character. And uh, theme and, and items and all those kind of nuances come from another franchise, as opposed to shoehorning in just a random. Um, I even like Dry Bones, but to me, he could be replaced easily by, uh, say, Ganon or something. You know, it'd yeah. be really cool. So yeah, I, Kirby. I, I feel like Kirby would be a good fit for absolutely. Mario. Like I, I do think Link. It seems a little strange. I, I think it's funny and it's. I you know I appreciate him being in there, but it, he doesn't fit the same way that the villager and Animal Crush and Isabel do. Yeah, I mean they're less realistic humans than mm-hmm. than Link is supposed to be. Right. It'd be really great if they just put like a fully like like the Space World doesn't demo Link, you know, in there and just but now with new textures or something. That'd be kind of <laughs> funny. So we we went over Ribbon Road and went Wild Woods. Let's just keep going down the line here of who won the survival poll, and we'll just talk about each, each one really quick. Uh, F-Zero um, with the big blue was uh, third place. What did you guys think of that stage? That was the continuous track that didn't have laps. Right. I, I like it. I mean, I like the... Uh, I only recently noticed that if you go onto like, the charging area in a normal F-Zero game, it fills up your coins. Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I use that, actually, in my strategy quite often. Yeah, I only just now realized that. And I love the music. It's a great track. Yep, yep, totally agree. That's probably my second favorite one from this from this pack. And uh, 
it just uh, you know I, I was never one of those people who was really enamored with the idea of like ah oh, like i need a new f-zero game i was never all that into the franchise and i was never that like insanely uh blown away by the idea of you know having it in mario kart but this track uh i'm all about it now i mean this is this it's a fun track and it really i think more so than mute city maybe mute city is more iconic in f-zero but this track to me feels more like what i think of when i think of f-zero um so that that's got me excited about that idea just just on its own I won't sully that notion by uh, being too much of a downer, but I didn't think this should have been top three. Get out. I I liked it. <laughs> I liked it for sure, but it just uh, it just seemed like a you know a water ride. I just and think it's pretty. It's the same reason I like Wild Woods so much. It's just pretty. You know, yeah. it's a beautiful it course. It's a and it's like course. it gives you like a feeling of being in this futuristic city too. Mm. It does, and and the way it winds and everything, you can really get some really crazy angles on the ground below you. I do like that it's kind of taking you straight down, more or less, as opposed to I think Mute City was more about like well that was lap, so it had to bring you back, and this it does kind of seem like you're just falling out of the sky, almost like a skydiving in Mario Kart, because you were just kind of keep barreling towards the ground, which I thought that was cool. Now the fourth place was the Crossing Cups Animal Crossing which was the final stage in that cup. And I I mean, obviously I can't express just how happy I was to have Animal Crossing jump into the Mario Kart franchise. Mm-hmm. We all know my love of Animal Crossing. And I think that this probably, uh, I think this could have been second. I still think Ribbon Row was, was so spectacular, but Animal Crossing has so many nuances and details. I mean, they. I hope this is a preview of what the future game is going to be on the Wii U. Give me right. these kind of textures and this crispness and this cleanness. And the fact that you can, uh, like, actually, when I showed this to my girlfriend a few weeks ago, we actually were playing after 8, eight o'clock on a Saturday, and so I drove around and I found K.K. Slider playing his music. Wow. And he's only there at that time, you know, between... Yeah, I didn't know that. No, I, I saw him last weekend, and it was great. It's just such a cool thing, like, ugh, I just couldn't believe it. And then, and if you go, and again, I got this from the Game Explain video, but if you drive up to, say, Nook Shop, it's very subtle, but you can actually hear the shop theme underneath the main song. <laughs> and so it's That's ridiculous. If you took away the Mario Kart music, you'd be pretty much in a Animal Crossing town. My only criticism of this level was actually that they didn't make it more Animal Crossing like. Because it's already so Animal Crossing esque that I wanted it to go further and have uh, almost be like in an actual town as opposed to just a figure eight. The the, the setup is a little bland in that sense, and I think that's why it got ranked a little bit lower. Because it isn't that special in, in, in that respect, but now is the time? Does the time of day depend on when you play it? No, and that okay, would be yeah. cool, but it, it depends on the season that you get. So when you load up the game, every time you go in, into that stage, it's one of four seasons, and it's only right. nighttime. In well, I think it actually changes kind of gradually. So spring and summer are daytime. Fall is kind of a sunset, kind of dusk, kind of thing, and then winter is night. And I was bummed at first about that not being the case, but I realized at the same time, daytime winter wouldn't be that great because you wouldn't be able to see all the lights and everything. So I I think it's okay that they've catered it to its best representation of what it could be. Sure. And with with fall and dusk, the oranges and everything, it really gives the feel, and uh, so I'm okay with it, but it would have been cool, a cool touch. Yeah, I mean, we can't ask for 
too much more than they did. I mean, they clearly put so much effort into this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this might have been even more so than Ribbon Road, even if Ribbon Road does get more credit for it. I feel like this was their showcase track of maybe, like, proving why uh, having other franchises in Mario Kart makes sense and that it can be done right. So jumping to the next one, unless you guys have more to say about that, is uh, Super Bell Subway on the Bell Cup. Yeah, this one, that, that I don't remember this one that much. It hasn't stuck with me. I think it's solid, but it's it, not quite as good as the rest of the ones in the DLC. Is it one of your better or worse of the kind of commuter tracks, like Toad Turnpike and that kind of thing? Hmm. I think it's better than Toad Turnpike. Toad Turnpike... Uh, I feel like it, it in Mario Kart 64 it was much more impressive. Now, now you just realize it's just like a figure eight, and there's really not that much going on. Yeah, it's like Animal Crossing, right? <laughs> well, what about you, Joe? What do you think of Super Bell Subway? Uh, I actually agree with that pretty much entirely. I mean, it's a, it's a good course, it's a solid course, it's fun, but it does for some reason it doesn't really like stick out in my memory. All that you know, it doesn't like leave that much of an impression. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's, it's maybe it's just it feels claustrophobic naturally, and you're so concerned about the the subway train itself. I don't think you really get to appreciate all the details on the walls and everything. Yeah. And uh, you never you never really have too many moments where you're seeing straight ahead of you, where you can actually take a moment to to look at your vista, because there isn't really much going on. Right. I'll say this: it's better than Cheese Land. Well, we'll get there, because <laughs> before that, New Bowser City Strong was ranked sixth, times. and. Uh, I can't wait to defend that, but New Bowser City, what do you guys think of this uh, remake, more or less? It's good. I, I like that one in Mario Kart 7. It's, it was one of my uh, better remembered ones from Mario Kart 7, which I didn't put that much time into as a game, um, but I think this, I was happy to see it in Mario Kart 8. Yeah, I liked it I liked it a lot. I thought it, it was one of the more memorable memorable ones from Mario Kart 7 and I think what was nice is it's technically got the Bowser name on it but there's nothing really Bowser about it except for that it's kind of like ominous and you know dark and stormy and right. I thought that was cool that they you know kind of kind of tweaked the tradition just a little bit you know still kind of kept the essence of the character without just doing the same kind of you know cliche like lava and Stone right. and stuff like that. Well, kind so. of, it kind of makes me imagine Bowser as like an evil CEO at the top of some mm. huge skyscraper in yeah, some futuristic that, movie. Yeah, like yeah, like maybe this is a yeah, a, a, either an alternate universe Bowser or like Bowser in the future where he's just one and he doesn't need to you know kidnap princesses anymore. He's just got <laughs> right. like big corporations. Or something. The third timeline. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever? Yeah. Did you guys watch uh, Tailspin? And growing up, Back and in the day, yeah. I have the Sega yeah. game. So, like Shere Khan, the Bowser is kind of like Shere Khan in that show, where <laughs> instead of being just an evil tiger, he's now like some badass right. businessman. Right. I d- I did like how they've upgraded this to make it more, you know, not to borrow another Back to the Future reference like we did in the last show, but <laughs> this is like the Biff Tannen alternate universe of Bowser. That's is how I yeah. how I view it, you know. He's gotten the almanac, he's made his money, and now he's going to drive Marty off a cliff. So we know, we should do a thorough breakdown of Gem versus Tailspin right now. Oh, Ready? Wow. 
Hey, Cheeseland! It was the seventh from the Crossing Cup. We're going to make it it to four hours after all. (laughs) Yeah, so um, let's move on, please. Uh, No offense, gem lovers. but um, (laughs) Yeah, so seventh place cut was Cheeseland. This is the second one to get voted out. And I actually liked, before you guys tear it down, I'm going to build it up. Because oh, I think I think for all of the desert levels that have ever hit Mario Kart, this is my favorite. And I really can't stand desert levels. So I think that's going to be a, crit- a criticism that people will tell you. And I get it. They're boring a little bit, I think. They're, there's so much damn sand in your way that slows you down. But I think this is a pretty cool-looking level. And I think it was definitely challenging enough with the little uh, Swiss cheese holes that kind of made it hard for you to do your banking turns and everything, that it was warranting a higher uh, status on this list. Hmm. Well, I just think that it's not really a desert level, but you couldn't really tell, you know? That's what that's what disappoints me about it. So you wish it was more of what I hate? No, no, no. I, no, I, <laughs> I, hate, I also hate the desert levels. Like, oh, I don't okay. know why they need to put two in every Mario Kart. Um, but like I'm saying, this isn't a desert level. It's a cheese level. <laughs> so I feel like they could have done more to to emphasize that. That's a fair point, I guess I could say. There, there's definitely some things in the in the screenshot I took that I'm looking at right now. There's definitely a lot of cheese in there, but uh, they, <laughs> they have the forks for the uh, starting line posts and everything. There's nuances, but nearly, uh, it's nearly naked of a level if you compare that to some of the other ones that we talked about in terms of details and nuances. There is one detail that is what elevates this course, in my opinion, which is I like pizza so much that the fact that you can see what looks like a slice of pizza in the background on this stage is uh, just this association alone. I was like, man, that's awesome. There's like, (laughs) there's pizza in my Mario game. Like, how many more things that I love can you combine? So it's just that, just it gives me a happy pleasant feeling just just because that little touch it's almost like this is a pizza history this level you know in the mario kart franchise yeah it is mm-hmm. it is a you could pizza say that. history <laughs> so let's talk about gem to recover from that <laughs> no so let's talk about the last one really quick maybe it's appropriate that it's the uh maybe the shortest one we'll talk about but baby park it's the so it's level. short yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it eight times in a row <laughs> fair nice. enough fair enough <laughs> second and third and fourth laps will have lots of items though sure. I, I like baby park i um i was happy to see it back my friends uh and i and double dash used to just play baby park over and over again and it was like a completely different game really it was like its own battle mode no yeah. one was actually trying to win because you needed to time it just right like you did you wanted to be in last right at the very end so that you could get the bullet bill or whatever and win. Yeah. Well, point. they did one thing wrong that, to me, nerfed the hell out of this level. And that is that they put barriers up for the entire length of the center. So no longer could shells from one side actually reach the other side without it going actually around the track. And mm. because of that, it, it was way less chaotic than it used to be. That's true. So You also have less items, of course, because in Double Dash you had double up you know, items, so you could really kind of rack things up. I don't hold it against that, but I just wish that they had maybe not done that. It's right, and I, really I, cool. it makes me, 
every time I play it, I imagine I want there to be like a giant chain chomp coming around, and mm. it's just not a, it's hmm. not in the game. So, no, so it was uh it was a, it was a nice to, to see though, and we haven't seen it in in quite some time, so it it made sense to return, and it's got some very cool nuances in the back as well, like the pirate ship ride and the coaster and all that stuff. It was nice. Yep. Definitely. So, any uh, last thoughts? I know we kind of, I well, I kind of dragged it into this uh, going through the levels thing, but um, anything about Mario Kart in general you want to mention? Well, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. So, basically, here's my question for you guys: If you put aside the fact that Mario Kart Seven is portable, would I like this DLC so much? I think I would rather just have one game, like combine Mario Kart 7 and 8 and just have it slowly come out as DLC instead of having two separate games. What do you guys think about that? Wait, can hmm. you rephrase it? What's the distinction we're making? So I'm saying instead of there being a, a DS, a 3DS Mario Kart and then a okay. Wii U Mario Kart, just imagine that there's just one base game and then you get the same amount of tracks in the end, but they just slowly are coming out as DLC over the course of an entire generation. So how many do you start with? You know the same amount as a typical as a typical so Mario. In other words, take a whole like say Mario Kart Seven comes out and then Mario and it's either on one or both platforms somehow, and then the next game just leaks in slow burns is what you're saying. Right. So, I mean, obviously the fact that Mario Kart Seven is for 3DS and it's a different platform kind of mucks up the hypothetical question that <laughs> I'm making here. But I'm just saying that like I like. The, I like the, the idea of just starting with one base game and then adding to it, adding to it, adding to it, adding to it, right. instead of having to buy a whole other game, get used to a whole new feel, and like, you know, little things like, like in Mario Kart 8, how you can't hold an item behind you, you know, right. Right. like just little things. I don't, those aren't as important to me. Once, if you nail that, then you can basically, I'll be happy for life. Just give me DLC. Well, I guess my say on it would be, I can see it both ways. And the thing I like about that idea is because I want constant Mario Kart, fresh Mario Kart. And I like the idea that what they've done here with the Mario Kart 8. And I would like to see two more DLC packs come out you know, in another yeah, six months definitely. and then another six months. or That would be really cool. If In the end, you got a whole new game and you really had two games worth. However, uh, in theory, you know, if we had done that with Mario Kart 7, you wouldn't have the uh, gravity mechanic. Because every right. new Mario Kart gives them a chance to reinvent the game and put in things that are so drastically different that you can change everything. So it could stifle that a little bit. It would be arguable, right. of, you know, which ones have worked and if people even care. Uh, some people didn't want the double dash aspect in, in the game and it hasn't returned. But maybe some people want it back. And So I could see it going both ways. I think as long as they keep bringing new content in, whether it's a new game every couple of years or uh, DLC or maybe a mix of both, I'm happy. Yeah, I think, um, as some people may know, I, I'm actually not the biggest fan of DLC in the whole right. world. But right. um, but I think maybe it's the fact that a game like Mario Kart, to me, is it kind of is almost more, and I don't know, this might sound, sound weird, but it's almost more like a sports game, in a way, than some other game. You know, it's like, Right. It's it's yeah. It's just a it's like primarily a competitive multiplayer game, and so in that sense, the way that these DLC packs have trickled out, it feels almost like different seasons in a sport. You know, we kind of had like season one was the 
what came in the box. And then we had another another surge during season two, which was the first DLC pack, and then another one for the, the second one. And I don't know. I mean, it's just working for me. So yeah. the way that this has been done, even aside from the fact that the prices on it have been very reasonable, like really reasonable, um, <laughs> it's it's just working. And so if they, in the future, because they typically do you know, like one Mario Kart per platform, one Smash Brothers per platform. So if they got those maybe as early as possible in the life cycle of the system, which they try to do anyway, and then just sort of kept them refreshed like this throughout the life of that platform, I mean, that might be a really good plan. I might really enjoy that. Because this is going great. I mean, this is going yeah. way better than I would have expected. Right. You know? And I'm kind of imagining, I mean, this highly speculated that the NX will kind of combine handheld mm. and console. And I, I don't know if I believe that or not. But I'm holding out it, for that. I hope that's what it is. I don't know that it's going to happen. I hope it's right. a graphing calculator. <laughs> but if it does happen, if it does happen, then I hope like exactly that they get out, they get out a Mario Kart right away. And then we can have like, you know, five to six years of DLC and, and just like, it, it keeps bringing you back. Like every time there's something new, not only do I get, I feel like I get my $12 worth or $6 worth or whatever it ends up being, but it also, I get more out of the original game because it, it brings me back to that too. Mm -hmm. so. Right. I think a lot of people would agree that when you go back to play the DLC, you kind of, okay, well, I'm going to dabble the old tracks too. And it's not just the new levels that you end up experiencing. You kind of go back through it all. Right. Well, yeah, and the way that they do the selection for online multiplayer courses actually kind of works really well in this system because when you come back to play, uh, yeah, you're going to want to play the new courses, but I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if that's all you came back and played. So the fact that when a course comes up for the selection on the multiplayer, you know, it's just a random three three courses, and then you can or you can just choose random overall. And so what you end up getting is like a pretty good mix where you'll mostly be playing the new courses because when they come up, people tend to choose them. But the old stuff is mixed in there, too. Yeah. So it, they kind of do all the, you know, like they kind of lay it out for you in a really what ends up being a really enjoyable way to experience old content and new content. Yeah, it's been perfect. I really I haven't seen any DLC better than this in my life. <laughs> and you may never do that again. Um, I know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, any, okay, so anything else before we move on? I know Joe's been doing nah. some stuff. And uh, so we can jump into that then. All right. So, Marvel Puzzle Quest 2. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Featuring Gem. Ooh, unlockable character. That's how you do DLC right. <laughs> so, thanks to the Nindy bundle, I've actually been playing games on Nintendo platforms and video games consoles which is which is awesome for me to be doing that again um so i've you know i've dabbled in in all of them you know tried them all out but um the the two i wanted to talk about today was uh the two i spent the most time which was which is mighty switch force and steam world dig so uh i had never played either of these games before though steam world dig had come very heavily recommended so but mighty switch force is the first one that i kind of sunk my teeth into I've always been really impressed by WayForward and their ability to handle 2D hand-drawn sprites. I, that's 
pretty much my favorite visual uh, approach in games. So I really love that they're still not only keeping it alive, but doing a really good job with it. So this is another one of those games that keeps that maintains that standard. And um, you know, for anyone who hasn't played it, like at first glance, I, I kind of thought that it looked more just like an action platformer because you play this character who hops around on platforms, has a gun that she can shoot, and she's like a futuristic police officer who has to arrest these uh, these uh, you know criminals who have escaped. But uh, after playing it, it really it really is more of a puzzle game than anything because there's not really much like you almost never have to do any kind of like fast shooting or anything like that. Um, there's not much that's trying to really ever attack you. So mostly it's how do you use this switch mechanic as is in the name to solve these sort of little mini physics based puzzles. So the criminals that have escaped are, are all through the level, and you just have to collect them. I think there's five per level, and then get to the exit. Um, and it's just, it's just a matter of figuring out, like, okay, if I hit the switch button, you know, these blocks appear, these blocks disappear. What do I have to do to navigate through these blocks, make them appear and disappear in a way that gets me to these criminals, and then I go to the end? So the one thing that kind of makes this game really challenging, uh, like I said, you have to use that switch mechanic to you know make blocks appear and disappear. And even though they don't make the learning curve all that steep from the beginning to the end, I've beaten all but I think the last level. Um, a couple of them really make you kind of have to like run the tempo in your head between you know when I switch, what's going to happen, and then I got to switch back again really fast. So you kind of have to figure it out, and then have a certain rhythm to it. And I really emphasize the rhythm and the tempo part because I found that, like, I've I tried to play this game while I was, like, on a uh, exercise bike, and I found that when I try to do the switches sometimes, like, my pedaling gets a little messed up because I have to focus so much on the timing in the game. So, right. yeah, so there's all the, there's this real hodgepodge of, of puzzle elements that that wind up with this kind of puzzle game as a result. It's really not very action-heavy at all, but uh, but it is quite good, quite fun, and quite well-made. So uh, do either of you have experience playing playing this game? Yeah, I think I, I think I 100%ed it. Oh, wow. Um, nice. I'm pretty sure there's some bonus levels that you get oh, that are more tricky. Spoiler alert. And, okay. It might require... Sorry. No, It might require more... Um, more like really precise, you know, switching. Like uh, the platforming can get tricky when you're jumping and switching at the same time. Absolutely. Um, it, I, I liked the game. Um, it didn't like, I can't say that left like a huge impression on me. Like I w- went, would run out and re- recommend it to everyone, but I definitely feel like I got, you know, it was worth my time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't say that um, I ever really was pining for this game. I wouldn't have played it if it hadn't been part of the bundle. But it was one of the motivators for picking up the bundle, because I, I had heard about it, and actually I think uh, you helped solidify the idea for me, because I too thought it was more like a Mega Man type game, mm. from what I had seen. I had seen so little of it that I thought it was like that. Not that it's, no, that that I don't like those games, of course I like those games, but I just, uh, I don't know, it just it just didn't catch me. I just wasn't in the mood for that. But when I found it was more of a puzzler, mm. I was like, okay, well that's cool, it's more bite-sized and I can get through that, and, and that's worked out for me so far. 
in the mornings I've played a little bit of Pokemon Shuffle and then this and that, and I've gotten a level or two of Mighty Switch Force out of the way. Yeah. Not in time. I mean, the the time mechanic, I mean, that's great for people who like to do that, but I am usually nowhere near that on my first oh. run, and I don't want to try to improve it. Oh, no, I can't even <laughs> do that. All right. I said I 100%ed it. I think I ignored that part, and I don't think you <laughs> you unlock anything for doing that, so I, I lied. I 99%ed it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did that for the first, or for level two and three, and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, but then the levels get way more expansive, and I don't want to have to go through the memory for that. But mm-hmm. it's it's fun, and uh, uh, I guess just to to finish this part off before we go to your other game, um, mm-hmm. I just want to list off what's in the charity. I think the charity is done soon. This is okay, three days and eighteen hours. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to edit this, and people are going to listen to it, and then be motivated to go get it in that time. But in case you missed it, the games that uh, were available and are available is uh, Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition, Woe Dave, Mighty Switch Force. If you pay more than 10 bucks, you'll get Stealth Inc. 2, SteamWorld Dig. And if you pay more than the average, which is currently $9.21, you get The Fall, Ali Ali, Moon Chronicles Episode 1, Sports Ball, Gunman Clive, and Bitrip Runner presents Runner 2, Future Legend of Rhythm Alien. So for nine twenty one or I guess ten bucks, that's a, a freaking steal. And I just want to commend uh, the humble bundle team and Nintendo for actually pulling this off for uh, at least U.S. North American based uh, Nintendo fans. Just very cool, very surprising. Yeah, I'm just happy that people get a chance to see how awesome humble bundles are. You know, people who don't aren't big PC gamers like me. I've bought I think every single big like main humble bundle that they've come out with and i haven't regretted any of them wow i think i've only done one maybe two but uh yeah i think two but even so i mean you can't really go wrong no i mean it's up to you to to how much you want to pay but uh you really can't go wrong for the price of any one of those games you usually get you know again another nine at least it's pretty great but joe uh you were playing another one of these uh one i happen to love (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so SteamWorld Dig, which is a game that I'd been promising you I was going to play for however long it's been since it came out. And uh, the reason I want to talk about it, I mean, it's, I am enjoying it. I, I, I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast before, right? So I don't, I don't think I need to describe it too much or I'm anything. Sure I've but, uh, a bit. Even, how would you sum up in two or three sentences the objective of the game? I mean, is it just... Would you say it's kind of like uh, to to relax and kind of explore, or or what? All right, so I would say that the best way to ex- kind of go through this game to experience it is to go in there, just digging, finding <laughs> finding the 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 paths that get you all. Like I think it's best to try to get all the gems because then you can buy all the upgrades and everything, and naturally you'll find your way to all the different caves and into the next sections and but I think the most fun is from just mining and trying to get all those all those little treasures and cash them in and everything mm-hmm. and just taking your time with it. I mean I I've, I've done a speed run and I've probably talked about that on the on the show before and my speed run was pretty good. I think it was it was under two and a half hours because I was trying to get that uh that <laughs> achievement or whatever in the That's game. Crazy. Yeah. Um but there's a certain way to do it that really is effective and I won't tell you what it is. Okay. Because you shouldn't worry about the time. I think my first time it took me over seven and a half hours, and I think that was uh, pretty conservative, maybe for for some folks. I think the average might be five or six, but 
I, I think it's just it's more of a peaceful game, I think. Yeah. You know, um, well, ahead. I was just going to say, like I described about Mighty Switch Force, I've been bringing the 3DS to uh, to the gym and doing the exercise bike while I, while I play, and just it's been perfect for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, besides the occasional enemy encounter, you don't really have to worry about, you know, quick reactions and things like that. No. Nope. Uh, I mean, there are falling blocks, and gravity plays a role, but um, it, it's really a mellow game, and mm-hmm. I like that about it. And it was it's allowed me to be methodical a little bit, and kind of almost like Picross lets me be. You know, I sure. Just, I mean, the map was kind of helpful for that, but I was getting pretty good at finding a path and just going back and then finding a whole new path, a whole new branch, and then eventually making just a, a big ass shaft to just <laughs> fall down. You know, for quick. Are we not doing phrasing to... anymore? <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. But uh, this is what I want to ask you about. Okay. So one thing that I, I don't know if the word is frustrating or if I just have to get used to a different mentality here, but go ahead and spoil this for me. Am I ever going to be able to jump and swing the pickaxe? Um, I feel like you could anyway, but you can't? Mm, nope. Hmm. Probably not. Then, if that's, I mean, I can't recall, but if you can, and I don't remember, it's because I never really had to use it. Mm-hmm. Because as it is, it seems like, you know, the most dangerous direction you can dig is down, because you're not, if you dig straight down past like a big, you know, vein of gems or something, uh, I don't know how you can get your way back up there unless you have enough room to create kind of like a staircase sort of thing. Like, I know you can swing up above your head, but um... Well, okay. So you're saying if the if it's too big to wall jump? No, no, no. Just like um, if, you're, if there's a big, you know, if there's like some gems in the wall to the right and you've already dug down past it, you could dig a square to the right, you could dig a square up, but you can't then jump and dig a square to make yourself like a little stairway to get back up. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So I don't know how you get in there unless there's like, there I don't are, know what, there, what you do. You, you upgrade throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. And one of your upgrades, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. will be uh, more or less, I think I forget what it's called, but it's the steam punch. Okay. And it allows you to actually like launch a fist. And what you can do is you can jump up and shoot. And that would be one way to do it, and then you could just get in that ledge there. Or uh, gotcha. you can shoot it upwards, I think, to break ones that are too tall for you to actually hit with your pickaxe. Or uh, you, what, you know, what I would recommend is look at the map, go up higher than you were, and try to find a new path down to those. Because mm-hmm. unless you're really reckless, there really should be no point where you couldn't go back and get something uh, right. because of another path. Because the game world is a little bit wide, it's not too narrow, and uh, so you usually can. I, I usually kept like a, I guess like a, a network of arteries on one side, and then arteries on another, and eventually okay. they would connect. But you could always, you pretty much can always get to something, uh, unless you really dig a huge asshole around it. And even then, you could always buy a bunch of ladders and stack them. Okay. And then you can use a ladder, and that lets you raise up one, and then you just hack at the wall. Okay. So yeah, there, I'm there still, I'm still early on. I can buy ladders yet, but I haven't tried them out. I think there was one single square. No, no. Well, 
I either got every single square or there was one or two that I just could not get in the end after my first run. And that was even with ladders, just the way that the terrain looked. But uh, I, I don't think it'll be too big of a concern for you. And if it's early on in the game, you don't have to worry so much because the values for the treasure will get better and better as you go deeper. Mm -hmm. And so if you have to miss one, then it, it's not going to stunt your growth as sure. a level up kind of thing. Sure. Um, and then the only other thing that I'm wondering about, uh, this I'm expressing my concerns, but I am having a lot of fun with the game. I guess I should say that first. It, it's just very enjoyable. As I was saying about 2D hand-drawn art, I mean, I love the art style of this game. Does I love the good. look of the characters. I love the setting, you know, the you know this kind of world where these android things are kind of, it seems like they are the primary form of life in this world, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um so all that's really cool. Um, the other thing I'm wondering about, though, is uh, how, like, I'm getting a little bit frustrated with, like, I run out of light super fast. And I feel like I, I try to explore and make progress at a leisurely pace, but that means I have to, like, you know, I collect maybe one or two gems, and then it's already time to, like, head back up because I can't see, uh, you know, where I'm trying to explore. So how quickly is that going to get? Yeah, how many out. how many caves have you gone through? Uh, I think two. Okay, maybe? so I think by the third or fourth, you should be seeing some improvement on that. It does get a little tough. Okay. Um, do you have any warps yet? Uh, there's one that I uncovered. That okay. I just kind of came across. You'll be able to buy them as well, and I mm -hmm. wouldn't recommend spending a lot of of the money on them because there's only a finite amount of money in the whole game. And it's enough to cover oh. every single upgrade, but if you buy too many of those, which are that are not reusable, repurchasable, then mm -hmm. you can find yourself maybe getting really close to that, and then you might miss something. So you don't want to use that too much. I think I maybe use like one or two in my whole thing, because the warps that are there are actually pretty spread out pretty well, but occasionally you'll find yourself like you are, where it takes you so long to get down, right. and then it takes you so long to get through that you do run out of light quick. But I'd okay. say just keep at it, and once you upgrade your, your weapons, your pickaxe, your uh, you can upgrade your your light meter as well, um, as well as some other features I don't want to speak about because I don't think you've had them mm -hmm. yet. But you can upgrade everything pretty much, and eventually it gets much nicer. Okay. So the game gets better as it goes on. Probably. Last thing, as you mentioned, uh, the the lanterns that you can place. Mm -hmm. I don't. Is that just barely helping me out with the light, and I'm just not noticing it yet? Because I don't really see how those work. They probably just like illuminate the area, the direct area. That they're immediately around. I okay. would not use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't seem very helpful. I, I don't know what the cost is versus the warps, but a warp would be better because then you can just refresh the whole thing. And even so, well, I think warps are they, they they cost the blue orbs, maybe, and not not money. I think that maybe that's what it is. They cost quite a bit of the blue orbs, and those are definitely finite as well. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about lanterns too much. Just, you know, it'll, it'll maybe it'll be a little tedious, but again, keep going. Once you every cave that you hit, which I think it kind of leads you to each cave as the next uh, point, you get an upgrade of some kind, and it makes life easier, and it makes even traversing the the areas you've already gone through much better. Eventually, you'll even you won't even see certain areas because you'll be able to get through them so quickly or warp past them or something. You know, so great advice, Stephen. Thank you. This was an awkward, and we won't explain it. Nope. So, 
<laughs> Apparently, we've started the podcast again after a edit that nobody heard. But um, is yeah, there anything else? Is there anything else that you want to say about SteamWorld Dig besides that you dig it, which I think is how I feel? Uh, no, good game, and I'm looking forward to where it goes. Excellent. I'm gonna. I'm excited to pick it up and try it myself. You now should. that I have it from the bundle. You should. It's like I said to uh, to the fans in the past, to George just now. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I wow. just love it that much. So I'm excited for uh, for the next Team World Team World Heist, I believe it's called. Mm. It's completely different gameplay, completely different genre of game, but it takes place in that world with those kind of characters. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes out of that. But the image and form guys are some cool dudes. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about what I've been playing. So what I've been playing is a little game called Splatoon. Some people may have heard it. I feel like I say no. this stupid joke every time, every episode. But um, I heard that game's for kids. Do I say that joke every time? It's for squids as well. Because oh. you're a kid, you're a squid, it's Splatoon. And uh, <laughs> Joe, you didn't get to play the test fires, nope. but uh, I played them all, and I know Hendrick, you did too, or you played at least. Well, which ones did you play? I played. I played two of them. I played the first one, and then I played. I thought I was going to miss the fourth one, but luckily for Nintendo me, screwed up. <laughs> Nintendo screwed up. Nintendo fucked up, and uh, they extended it for an extra hour, so I got to play a lot. So yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, and so I I have the full game. I'm a oh. My gosh, this has like taken over my life, though. Uh, let's just get that out of there. You know, I picked it up this time. This time last week, a week ago, I was playing it for the first time. Yesterday, I hit level 20 in the uh, online rankings, and that's the max you can get. I have the single-player campaign completely beaten. Uh, I have some of the amiibo extras beaten. Um, it's just—I mean, I had over 20 hours in the, just the weekend last weekend logged in. So that was just 48 hours where I had almost maybe like 40, over 40% of that time was on Splatoon. Now my nephews were playing it a little bit, so that's part of it, but it's seriously such a fun game. I mean, I've already kind of gone through a lot of the discussion with what the test fire was when when I was playing it, Hendrick, but uh, the full game now is, you know, I just, I just love it. I'm having so much fun. The... I don't know. I, I could. I don't know where to even begin. <laughs> Let me. T- I want to so hear about the single player. Okay. Because that's. I think. It, first of all, it seems like everyone on Negative World is playing this, and I feel so left out. <laughs> um, and it and I, I, I keep. I keep coming close to caving. I think if the single player is what could get me to cave, so let me hear about that. Okay, the single player. I will say is a bit short. It's not overly okay. challenging, where it's going to frustrate you too much. So there's not a lot of times you're going to spend repeating levels or anything, but it's really, really satisfying. Every level is like, I've heard it akin to Mario Galaxy, and I can agree with it because you kind of go into every level's its own little separate section, and it's got its own gimmicks, and you go through the level, which are like little pods, kind of like Mario Galaxy, where you just shoot back and forth between them all, and there's little challenges. Uh, It could be some simple enemies, it could be some new sponge mechanic where you shoot this small little block and it grows, but then when the enemy hits it, it gets small again, but you might have to jump on it while they're shooting at you to get past the bad guys. Um, there are so many different little gimmicks that each level can be designed around that it, it's really cool. And some of them were frustrating, but in a good way. There's these uh, little, not not, ro- uh, not vacuums, but 
like rain machines that just rain down in these corridors that you can't get past. And you, it's like a stealth game all of a sudden where you have to sneak past. And if they see you, they're going to come at you. And there's like a bunch of them, like Pac-Man and you're Pac-Man and they're the ghosts. And you got to find the key and then you got to go unlock the door just to get warped to the next level. Then you get to go on top of all those bastards when it warps you to the top. And it's, it's really fun. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, there's a slight story mode to it. So there is a bit of a narrative and that's, you know, cool in its own right. But there's five worlds. Each one has maybe five. I think the first world only has like three levels and a boss. And then the other ones all have like five and a boss or six and a boss. Oh, six and a boss. And so that turns out to be maybe 30, 40 levels total with all the bosses and everything. Nice. Yeah. And each one probably takes between five and ten minutes to complete, depending on how quick you are. And if it's your first one, I mean, maybe you might even take closer to 15. Uh, so they're they're pretty satisfying. They're definitely not things that you just whiz through, and the bosses are really fun and inventive. Once you know their tricks, you can pretty much get rid of them pretty quickly, but each time you get to them, they're pretty grandiose and exciting. And then I will say that it does kind of get... I don't know if it really gets better and better, or if it just stays really consistently good, but at the end, it just builds this final uh, climax that is just probably some of the most fun I've had in a single player mode of a game in a while. It was just wow. a true test of my challenge uh, of my skill and uh, and super fun. And then you know, I know people don't like this and and in some ways I even disagree with it, but the amiibo unlock actual challenges like beyond the the main single player game and they're pretty substantial. They they take you back through the, some of the challenges that you go through in the main single player game, but they uh, have you use different level or different weapons, I'm sorry. So in the main single-player game, you only can use the splatter shot. So you have your typical shooting weapon. But if you use the girl amiibo, then it allows you to play a bunch of those same single-player challenges, but with the charger weapon, which does take more skill, makes things a little harder. And you unlock gold, and you unlock uh, certain gear by uh, completing sets of them. You know, again, not ideal, because it's... It's probably the most gameplay-specific DLC to be locked behind an Amiibo, and that is kind of a bummer, but as someone who has the Amiibo, I'm not too bummed because there's a lot of cool stuff there. Right. So do you feel like after completing the single-player mode that you were, like, ready to go for multiplayer? Like, is it a good primer? Well, honestly, I was playing multi... Well, the test fire was the good primer because I was playing a crap ton of multiplayer before I even dabbled in the single-player, but the single-player made for a really great break from the multiplayer okay. and uh, I you know I would find myself not wanting to be super tense fighting against the you know a team of four other people trying to splat me and I would just kind of go through the levels a little bit more uh, calmly but it still required a lot of uh, precision and skill yeah. I right. wouldn't necessarily say pay full price just for the single player I mean not that you would be doing that because I know you enjoyed the test fires but uh, make sure you're ready to get your money's worth from the multiplayer as well. Right. If the Amiibo right. came with it, maybe that would sway me a bit because there's a lot more there. But... Yeah. Yeah, I think I, if I don't pick it up soon, I'll, I'll definitely pick it up by the holidays. And I'm hoping because of the way that they're gradually rolling stuff out, I, I think there'll still be a lot of interest. I would hope so. I mean, it's really going to be tough to tell. I think on the site it could go either way because you know, new things attract us all the time or like flies to a fire or something or 
not flies, but uh, moths to a flame. That's what it is. It's like that's like bag of worms. It's <laughs> fly to the fire. <laughs> flies to the flies to a bowl of poop. There you go. Oh man, I just I have the worst metaphors and similes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I hope that we are still playing it strong. I hope I'm still playing it strong. I can be a little whimsy like that and kind of float around sometimes with games, but this is something that's grabbed me so strongly that even if I slow down, I'm going to have fun and desire to go back into it, which is actually way more than I have for Smash Brothers right now, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I played that like crazy when it came out, and then it just fizzled. And here... I mean, every night since I've had it, I've played at least a couple hours. It seems like it's easier to just jump in to than Smash Brothers. Like you can so. just join friends, so you don't have to like coordinate with them, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's there's some complaints people have about the way that things are set up, and I can totally understand those complaints. But I want to address the fact that, say, um, okay, so the, the well, I guess this doesn't really relate to what they could do, because they still could, they're still planning to make it so we can actually set up kind of a, a clan, and say the four of us go into a room and just continue to be that four. But I like the fact that it does force you to be on other people's teams if you keep playing with the same people. And that keeps things fresh. And, right. And, you know, sometimes it means that that one bastard you saw sucking on their team is now on your team sucking. And, and that's okay, too. And I, I But I do like the fact that it spreads it out because it means more varied matches more fair matches and as much as I want to have a clan of negative world people I hate when I've been on multiplayer games and then there's a group of people just dominating it happened I think in GoldenEye 007 where people would just team up and uh, and just go after you guys and then you'd have to literally just leave and reconnect somewhere else just to have an ounce of fun mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so that that brings up a question I had about the game, which is that um, yeah, I find that w- with a game like Mario Kart and probably to a lesser extent Smash Brothers, uh, they do a good job of of having the winner be determined largely by skill, but also somewhat by luck, and so that way you don't have to be an expert in the game. You don't have to have dedicated you know dozens of hours perfecting your abilities in order to sometimes win and, 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 and enjoy that. So what is Splatoon like from that perspective? Is it, is it you know, like how, how where would you say the split is between luck and skill in terms of determining victory? I think uh, it's pretty heavily skill, but I think the tides can turn pretty significantly uh even with like, is there a is there a players. Splatoon blue shell equivalent? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a good thing. I think you still, no matter what you have to be you know useful in your team. But the great thing, and people have said this in pretty much every review, the great thing about Turf War, which is the main primary mode right now, is that you don't earn points for your team by killing people or splatting mm-hmm. people. To be correct for the ESRB mm-hmm. of this podcast, <laughs> uh, what you do is you cover the ground. And so what I do, not to spoil my, my techniques on these things, but the special weapons you use, they build up as you splat paint all, or ink all over the, the either another person or your other team, their ink, or if you do it on you know, just naked ground. And so what I'll do, I try to make sure that I am very thorough at the front and I don't rush to the center. I sometimes do during in certain situations, but 
typically I actually try to just get that meter up as much as I can. And not only does it create a baseline because the enemy can't move very fast in our ink and it'll eventually kill them. So they have to put their own down, which slows them down getting to the actual back. And if the, if the enemy gets to the back of the arena, then they are at risk of really painting over your stuff, which makes you have to focus on that area just to move. And then, so that can really turn the tides if you can um, kind of box people in that way. So I create a level of security and I also build up my, uh, build up my special weapons. And what that allows me to do is even though I'm not splatting anybody at the time, I'm able to really help out the team become a good contributor that actually could help keep the us on the winning side while everyone else is distracting the, the bad guys or whatever the opposite team I can do my thing and sometimes I do that where even uh, on the front lines especially in a mode called splat zone which is actually not about covering the turf but it's about keeping the turf on just a very small section and you're constantly fighting this tug of war what's great is that everyone's so focused on that area I will go around cleaning up you know the the naked land with my with my ink just to get my special weapons up, and I'll even go behind enemy lines where they're not even watching me and just attack them from the back, or, uh, again, painting their front area so when somebody um, gets sent to their spawn point at the back of their arena, that they actually have to fight through our ink just to get back to do the actual goal. So there's a lot of different ways you can take each different mode. And sometimes in, in, in Turf War, you can actually just go splatting everybody and not worrying so much about the ink, because you're going to spread ink when you're shooting people, but holding back them from even putting the ink down is going to be a benefit to your team, too. So you can really go any way. Right. The thing that's it's, most... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it probably helps to have a mix of people. Like, you know, one person's really just trying to spread as much ink as possible, while the other person's kind of attacking and keeping the people from doing the same right. on the other team. And that's, that in lies the issue sometimes, because you sometimes don't know what people want to do. Maybe you have a player who's always going to be the protector, and then you have you know someone who's always front lines guy, but at the same time, if everyone's the protector, everyone's front lines guy, then people sneak around the back, and you got to be careful. So that's why the gamepad's really cool, because you can see at all times the map and what color is being painted where. So it's easy to see... Uh, it's easy to see what's going on and, and what how you should change your strategy. And you need that gamepad because of the fact that uh, there's no voice chat. Which What? I haven't heard that. <laughs> That's Why yeah, there's no one talking about that? Yeah, so there's no voice chat, and I don't think it matters too much. I'm definitely in that camp, and I think it's because the matches are so short, they don't let you change it from three minutes, so it's a, a fixed situation. Unlike Smash Brothers, where you have so much variety and everything, but even though this is a tactical shooter in that sense, where you're kind of working with a team and trying to accomplish the same goal, you I don't I don't think having people bark orders at me would really make a difference. I'm going to do what I see is best fit, and you just hope that you're kind of in unison with your team. And I think that's part of the the goal of the game too was to be able to adapt to that based on what the gamepad shows and take initiative. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't think in playing the test fire that it, it, you know, I don't think I would protest to it existing, but I didn't feel like I was really missing it. Yeah, me either. I mean, I don't miss it, but I definitely don't see why I can't have it with friends or even like right now you can't play with just your friends on a team and not have it switch or or mix you up or whatever and you just kind of have to 
join a friend who's already online. But right. say, say me and Konzo, because me and Super Konzo have been playing a lot lately, and if we're playing on a team and voice chat existed, he and I could talk to each other on the same team. That'd be really cool. Just the, even if it was just the two of us, you know. And then if he's on another team and the there's just no voice chat, that would be cool as well. I, I I don't know what drove them. I mean, they said that they didn't want to have all the yelling and the cussing and all that stuff that could ruin it. And I get that. I commend them for that decision. But I don't understand why they just cut it off for friends, or made an you know an option uh, for friends. Maybe they the designers just hate their friends and don't want to hear from them. That could be it too, you know. But you know, it's a it's a minor grievance. I think I still don't think it's a strong point against the game. The game is so fun, and the action's so packed that not communicating is not going to do too much. I mean, the way the arenas are laid out. You pretty much have one way to go, and that's towards the other team, towards the center. And everyone fans out anyway. Nobody, if, if someone's following you, and they're, they're for some reason shooting your own ink, which isn't doing anything for the team, one of you is just going to break it any second. Now you're going to realize, oh wait, that's not working, and and that's what you do. If if someone is fighting you for the stupid path, just give them the path, and then go somewhere else. And you know, if you told them, hey, don't go on the path, they're not necessarily going to listen to you. There's there's so much that can happen in those three minutes that it have taking the t- time to like plan action isn't really even there. That's just right. how I feel. So, well, uh, the whole uh, voice chat debate it kind of sums up Nintendo for me because if you compare a game like Splatoon with Call of Duty, it's so easy to like make a checklist and say, oh well, look, Call of Duty has this, Call of Duty has that, and Splatoon doesn't. So, oh, automatically Call of Duty's better, but it's much harder to put your pinpoint what makes Splatoon so much better. And for us Nintendo fans, just how fresh it is, colorful, just it's just something that you haven't played before, something you haven't seen a million times like you have with military shooters. And I just don't think people understand that, you know, it's not all always a checklist. That's not how you, you know, evaluate a game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a really funny graphic going on, on the internet right now that has, you know, a bunch of screenshots from different games all in a column of these, you know, PlayStation and Microsoft shooter games. And I'm sure they're all great games in their own right, but it's just got, you know, it's, these are like the hottest shooters either that came out or are coming out, and then it, underneath it it says Nintendo, and it shows Splatoon and all this color and everything, while everything else is just like drab grays and browns and greens. And uh, and that that really well summed it up for me, too. And, and what makes me you know, being happy as a Nintendo gamer, you know, not, not a slight to any of those games, but... This is the kind of shooter that appeals to me. I've been maybe cultivated by Nintendo over the years to like that, but it effing works. It does what it's expected to do, and it's fun as hell. Right. I, I can't wait to pick it up. Yeah, it, it will be great for you, and uh, I, again, I just hope that the multiplayer is strong. I think it will be strong throughout its life, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, GoldenEye 007 was really strong still to the end, too. And, right. uh, and that's a third-party shooter. Yeah, this seems to be getting more buzz than any Nintendo game since Smash Brothers. Yeah. And probably any other Wii U game else than Mario Kart or Smash Brothers that I can remember. I just read something, and I wish I could, I wish I had it up so I could really, truly quote it, but uh, I think the attach rate on in, in the U.S. was like 97% of copies sold or something like that that were out. And then in Japan, they actually ran out pretty much, so they had to init- uh, initiate an apology to the Japanese people saying, hey, 
I'm sorry you can't find it in stores. We're working really hard to get more discs out there. If you can't wait, please download it on the eShop. So that's that's pretty successful, I'd say. And that's good for what this game is based around, is that online. The test fire was wonderful, and I think it was the, one of the smartest moves they've done in a long time. So, I mean, I could, I could definitely go on and get specific on what weapons I liked and this and that, but uh, we've got a lot more to talk about, so I'll move on from there. I do want to say, though, I think that the Underbelly Skate Park is my favorite level in the multiplayer right now. Nice. And uh, I, I know you, you haven't played that because the test fire only had the two. It had uh, Salt Spray Rig, which is a really right. good one. And then it also had uh, Walleye Warehouse, which I was a big fan of, but also it forced me to play that a lot because that was a favorite <laughs> of the demo. But uh, those are those are some great levels. The skate park I like because it's it's probably the most open of them all because even though there are specific paths and it is mirrored, so the opposing team has the same thing as you until you get to the center. There's so many different paths you can go, and there's a lot of different tricky ledges that I've been able to get some people from, and set up traps and surprises, and and I've had my own struggles definitely. I've had my ass kicked on it plenty of times, but it's really satisfying to go up to like the, there's a central tower, and you can you know you can go up that thing in the main ramps, but of course this is Splatoon, you can paint every wall, and you can go up through a, a side that nobody's thinking you're going to come up from, and then you can splat the hell out of everybody there. So it's right. it's really fun, and I love how... Is, it, is that similar to the... I remember the tutorial mode at the beginning of the Global Test Fire uh, was, kind of, was kind of like a skate park. Is it similar? It, it was similar, but actually I think that one is based off of another level that I can't recall the name right now. Shit. Okay. But, but yeah. I, uh, oh, the underpass. The underbelly underpass or something like that? No, no. I just said, okay. Did I just say underbelly skate park? Yeah, you did, yeah. The, it's some sort of uh, underpass. Maybe it's not underbelly, I forget. They're all weird names, but uh, <laughs> okay. it, it, yeah, it is based off of a level. And actually, some of the story mode levels are actually based off levels too, which is kind of cool. But nice. uh, that actually is one, another one of my favorites. I, I have a hard time picking one because the levels are really strong. And then they, they release one right away, like within a, a, like the Monday night, I think, after the first weekend, because so many people had played it, they already released one. And I don't know why they just released it now. That does worry me a little bit. It makes me wonder, was that ready to go on the disc, and they just wanted to, you know, again, keep the hype going by releasing it, which feels weird, but at the same time, if that's what keeps people interested until you have the game, for instance, then that's great. The right. slow burn may be the way to go, because people might burn out on this after a couple weeks and then be done. But if there's a new level or a new item every week or two, that's going to keep people coming. I've, I've always been the kind of guy who picks one level and just plays it over and over and over again until I know it like the back of my hand. Like in GoldenEye for N64, I just played the facility mm -hmm. a million times. Always started up there in the vents above the bathroom, you know. <laughs> um in Halo, it was Blood Gulch, just always Blood Gulch. So I, I, and I really like Salt Spray Rig from the uh, the Test Fire. So I feel like that's a level that I could just play over and over again. Well, then you are going to appreciate the decision that they've made uh, to to have only two levels currently. I think it's going to expand to three. That's my guess. But currently, two levels that appear every four hours, and every four hours they kick you back out of the servers and they switch the levels and then and. You go back in for another four hours of those levels. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, 
if Mario Kart did that, we'd all frickin' raise a huge hiss, hissy fit, you know what I mean? And rightfully so. But the thing with Splatoon, I think you are supposed to develop techniques on these stages and really work with your team. And even if you leave your teammates, you're going to join back with them later and you're going to create almost a almost like a, a consciousness of that stage. And even though it will switch between the two, you tend to play the same stage a few times before you switch again. It rarely actually goes like one and then the other, one and the other, that kind of stuff. And that's how the test fire was. Walleye Warehouse right. was like 66% of my games. I play three or four, then I play maybe two of Salt Spray, and then I'd go back and then maybe play one of Salt Spray. And while that was a little frustrating because I wanted to you know, experience all this new content and I was hoping that they had like all 20 plus levels in the demo, and of course that's not true, but uh, I really appreciated that by the end of the test fire, even the first weekend or the first one or two sessions, that I had a great sense of the levels and I, I felt like I could actually do something there. And, and sure. So I appreciate that. I, I still like it here. And I also don't have to fight people for a random choice of what uh, of what level it is. Like some people in Mario Kart tend to favor the same freaking ones. Like back when there was that glitch in Mario Kart Seven in the Woohoo Island, oh, one, yeah. everyone kept picking that damn level, and it was annoying as hell. Here, it, it just is what it is. You just go with it. Right. It also makes it exciting when you you know when I come home from work and I get home from work maybe about a little after five. And uh, and I realize I have less than an hour to play, and I say, okay, what levels are here? Cool. And then at six o'clock, suddenly there's new levels, and it's you know I get to kind of jump in, and so you just check in every four hours, and you can see if something new's going on. It gives you a reason to come back throughout the day too, if you would just want to play for an hour, and then I'll come back when the levels are changed. And it it feels really counterintuitive for gamers for what we've known for decades now, but it maybe it's it's maybe it's there's something to it. I think there is. I think people need to give it more of a chance. And I don't think anyone's complaining right now, to be honest. So, that's Splatoon. Cool. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, it's really good. And again, I could elaborate like crazy, but uh, I will not. Any Anything from you, Joe? Squids are cool. Squids are cool. <laughs> and Octopi, they suck. Yeah. If you play through the single player, then you'll know. Because they're kind of the enemy. But... <sighs> anyway, it's really fun. I recommend everyone go out and get it. 60 bucks might be a little steep for you because they are releasing new content throughout, and it may feel like it's a lesser game, but to me, that's like you know, like a Kickstarter, which maybe isn't a good analogy for Hendrick, but uh, you know, where yeah, I'm paying 60 bucks now, but it's I'd rather pay a little bit more up front now and have fun now than pay a little bit less later, but then not have fun for the next couple months. So, sure. Yeah, that's just how I see this, and that's all that I can say. So let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we have some Nintendo Direct action to talk about, which was a surprise, and then we'll get into a little bit of E3 talk, too. I guess. I don't know. Nintendo surprises with a micro Nintendo Direct on uh, the 1st of June, which was just uh, 
Was that really Monday that they did that? I guess so. It was the first, so... Um, I can't believe that was already that far, that long ago. But, yeah, so they had a Micro Nintendo Direct, and they I think this is them, like, saying, okay, here's all the crap you don't want to waste time with at E3, so let's just kind of get it out there. Not to say it is crap, but it's most of it's kind of lesser stuff that maybe they'll, they'll focus on harder later, or maybe some things that might even release. Uh, well, I guess they did give us release dates, but... Uh, who gives a shit what the hell I'm thinking about this list? Let's just get into it really quick and discuss it. And uh, it's a Micro Nintendo Direct, so we're going to spend a micro amount of time on it. Uh, I guess to start off, the big, the big thing, the truly big news of the whole thing came right away with Chibi-Robo Ziplash for the 3DS. And I've never played a Chibi-Robo game in my life. Me neither. Not to say I've not wanted to. Joe, have you? I have. Okay. How, which ones have you played? I uh, played the game, or the uh, yeah, the GameCube one. Okay, was that the initial one? I believe so. Yeah, and I like the idea. the The concept is kind of neat. I mean, I, I dig those kind of weird, quirky games for Nintendo. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, back then I wasn't necessarily buying all my own games or something like that, and I just didn't spend the money on it. And uh, I think they're trying to re- maybe reboot the franchise a little bit or bring it more into the awareness bubble with a two D side scrolling platformer, which. Yep. Explain this to me. Is it really truly possible that he could just be walking around swinging his cord without any sort of plug-in? Because <laughs> I would think that he'd need to be plugged in. That's kind of his premise, right? Well, no, he, he runs on a battery, and you plug in to recharge it. Okay. So okay. that's why he's always got the plug, but doesn't need to See, be plugged in. See, he needs a, like a solar panel hat, and then he's all set. You know? That's true. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so that makes sense. It, you know, a lot of criticism that's been out there already is it looks boring, generic. I think it's it's only fair to let see how it turns out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they only showed us a few seconds of it, really. And I think the, the mechanic of that lasso, more or less, the whip that he's got that's his cord, is kind of neat. And it's kind of cute. It comes out in October. And it's got amiibo functionality. And instantly, when this was announced in Japan uh, the, the night before, it, you know, kind of blew everyone's minds of, oh, I'm going to import that amiibo, because that amiibo looks so cool. It's a cheaper robo amiibo, and he does look really cool. For someone who doesn't care about the, the franchise, I think it looks really cool. But to get it, you have to actually buy the game, because they're only selling the amiibo in the pack. And I don't know how that's going to turn out. That might deter me from picking it up, even though it would be a cool little Nintendo amiibo, but uh, I just don't know if I want the game or not. And, and the price, we'll see. I guess there's a placeholder that released last night on some website, for like $80 Australian, and that's making people think that it's going to be like $60 in the U.S., which I can't imagine them selling that. I mean, the 3DS game itself is 40 right, if it's full price, and then an Amiibo is 13 that's 53 and yeah. I would think that 50 would be more fair, that they would kind of do a bundle like that. Um, but who knows? Well, and it didn't look... I I thought it was looked more like a downloadable kind of title than right. a full $40 retail one. Agreed. Yeah, visually does not look all that impressive. So we'll, maybe it'll be 30 You know, 15 bucks for the game, 15 for the Amiibo kind of thing? Mm. In a box type? I don't know. But, I mean, it is a, I think it's a cart, so... Unless the game is on the Amiibo. <laughs> which would really be weird and annoying, but... I forget what they even said about the Amiibo functionality. Uh, they're, you know, and what they said about it, but we'll tap into that maybe in the future. We'll plug in later. We need to recharge with the Ziplash. Let's move on to Dr. Mario's Miracle Cure, 
which actually, this is a 3DS title that's coming out on June 11th, and holy moly, that's uh, next week. Um, that is, wow. that's pretty cool. I like, I like seeing this. I love Dr. Mario. It's one of my favorite puzzle games of all time. To me, Dr. Luigi was a bit of a letdown, though. I didn't think it was fresh enough to warrant purchasing after the really great Dr. Mario on the Wii U. Or, I'm sorry, on the Wii. The, uh, right, WiiWare. Yeah, yeah. That one was just so damn good and such a solid version that Dr. Luigi was let down. I got it for free, Dr. Luigi, and I still felt like it was not really worth the money. <laughs> no offense right. to poor Luigi, I, but... Yeah, I agree. I'm a, I'm kind of the resident Dr. Mario lover on Negative World, and even I was like, you know what, this is, doesn't really add much. Mm-mm. And they actually took stuff away from the the WiiWare version. You could play online, and the they had, like, you could send, like, preset messages, like, good game, or I'll get you next time, and they took that out for this version. I have no mm-hmm. idea why. Maybe you see many people were saying choke on your pills or something. <laughs> but, uh, in the Miracle Cure, though, it looks like they're going to have all those cool features from the WiiWare version. They're going to have the Dr. Luigi action, but now they actually have, like, new items, which is really cool. I think that might change up the gameplay enough to make me want to come back to it. Uh, two-player battle is even downloadable from one cart. I think they have the online mode back. Uh, so, you know, it seems like they're putting a little more effort into this, but it still feels like a small title. I forget if they... I don't think they announced the price. So we'll see. I think they, I think they did. I think it's like $9, so it's more reasonable. You know, I think they announced the price, and I think it's $9 uh, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's less than 15 bucks, I think, right? Right, yes. And I, I'm going to... I, I'm saying now, like, I'm not planning on getting it, but I'm such a big Dr. Mario guy that if people on the board get it and start playing it, I'm always jonesing to challenge people in Dr. Mario, so in that case, I probably would grab it. Sure, sure. And I think once I understand fully what's new in it, I probably will be enticed to get it as well. But it's coming out June 11th, like I said, and uh, it's a great game probably to play while you're watching the Nintendo Treehouse. You know, uh, the next game they mentioned was Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, uh, Turbo Championship Edition, <laughs> and that's for 3DS. And I have no affection or understanding of this Mystery Dungeon series. Never played any of them. Uh, I do know that all 700 Pokemon are in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a mainland kind of, kind of Pokemon guy, mm-hmm. and uh, it comes out this winter. And like I said, it's got all the Pokemon in it. And the main thing I pulled from the trailer was that it, uh, or Bill Trennan had said, you solve Pokemon's problems. So <laughs> I'm guessing that Charmander's flame tail goes out and he's about to die, so you have to get him to the hospital. And, you know, Chansey lost her egg or something. I, I don't know what happens. But I kid, though. I think it's a pretty popular series, is it not? Yeah. In Japan, in Japan I think. Is it? Okay. But not so much in, in other regions? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really people, know. I have not talked to people that... I mean, of all the people I know who like and play Pokemon, the Mystery Dungeon games aren't really That's on their right. radar. Yeah. And so we'll move on, then. Uh, <laughs> next was Mario and Sonic at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Which, um, okay. You know, never never really got into those, either. They're like Mario Kart with Olympic themes, right? Right. I mean, I played the first one on Wii, and it was, you know, it was the ultimate waggle game. You never really <laughs> felt like what you were doing had much relation to what was going on on the screen. 
But, um, you know, it was fun enough party game to play with kids and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, imagine, I imagine they're all like that. Yeah, I can imagine my nephews maybe getting into this game. I did think it was cool that they had soccer in there because we haven't had a Mario Strikers in a while, so that's like the closest thing that we're right. going to get maybe. And it's going to come out on both the Wii U and the 3DS, and the Wii U is going to have rugby, and the 3DS is going to have golf. So they're going to have at least one unique sport, but maybe a few. And I think that's okay, I guess. <laughs> I have no real affection for it, but uh, maybe it'll help people pick up both copies. But I can't imagine myself wanting to buy two versions of the Olympic Games, you know what I mean? It. But maybe that's not the point. It's just to make you pick up the one you want. I don't know. Um, anything to say, Joe? Nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, Art Academy Home Studio. Art Academy is a series that I keep purchasing, even though I'm not talently inclined. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird way to say that, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You have talented. no talents at all. No. No. Yeah. Right. Just generally, I I suck at everything. Uh, but it's it's cool. They're they're expanding the whole thing with the with the Home Studio edition. And I think the coolest part about this, though, from a non-talented person in, in the art world, is the time-lapse videos. You'll be able to actually record yourself drawing these things and then upload them to Meverse and probably YouTube. Nice. That is cool. Yeah. For people who are talently inclined, that's yeah. going to be awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm never going to let that one go, I guess. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the talent, uh, I can't even say it anymore. Screw it. Um, it's going to be pretty cool, I think, because there's so many great art out there, uh, great artworks, that to be able to see people make those things is just going to make that all the better. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm consistently impressed with people on Meverse, what they're able to do. I know. I literally don't know how they do it. I don't understand. V of E always posts on Twitter different things from Meverse, and I'm always psyched to see what he shares because... He just finds like the best looking stuff ever. I mean, there's some things that just blow me away that they were done on a tablet, on a Wii U tablet. So it will be really fun to see that, especially all the SpongeBob memes from, uh, uh, you know, Splatoon done in high fidelity or something. Because that's a big thing on Splatoon right now is the SpongeBob connection. I don't get it. Just because there's a squid. I guess so. Yeah. It's like a whole meme Mar- thing taking over. The memes. marine life, the marine life link. <laughs> but um, so there wasn't too much else said in the direct, and honestly, that's that's how mini this really was. And and again, I think it was their way of just knocking a bunch of stuff out. Uh, they they mentioned that E three will have a early 2016 and 2015 focus, and considering we're about halfway through 2015, uh, I guess that's a good thing. Um, I really, I don't, you know, I don't want to see things that are going to come out at the end of next year or anything. So I'm glad they're kind of keeping it tighter. And I hope that this means that they have a lot to show us and a lot of surprises. Uh, they've already surprised us with like push or stretch mo you know, that came out uh, out of the blue Lucas being uh, released on the smash Brothers DLC was just announced today. Like when he was actually going to come out, which I think is what next or is this the 14th. So it's like during E3 week, but uh, Nintendo's just kind of dropping these little bombs and without much warning, so that's kind of exciting, and I hope that they uh, they can do it again with E3. Um, speaking of bombs, a uh, little Battler's experience that might bomb. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Have you guys even heard about this show? I mean, none of us probably watch Nicktoons regularly. 
Nope. No, not anymore. When my nieces were younger, I probably would have known. I knew everything on Nickelodeon, but not anymore. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I just don't get the appeal. I guess. No, I think um, we can move on. Yeah, <laughs> comes out August twenty first though, and uh, good for people who like the show. It's cool to see them doing that. Um, lastly, is Bravely Second and Layer that was announced for America in twenty sixteen. So I, I think we knew it was being made. It's just we didn't know if it was coming to America officially, and here it is. Right. Oh, I never played the first one, and from what I've heard, there's like some issues that I wouldn't like about it. But I've heard that maybe the second one will clear them up. So maybe I'll play that. Hmm. I think. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of wanted to get into Bravely Default, but I just kind of missed the window, and I don't even know if I could find a copy right now for a fair price. Mm. Um. You can so- download it, right? Oh, that's true, I guess. I do have a big memory card, so... Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I would look into this, though, barely second. They even mentioned in the Direct that even if you hadn't played the first, this wouldn't, it wouldn't mess with you, like, story-wise or anything. It just references the first game, but... Uh, so th- that that was actually a really cool note from Nintendo. I appreciated that. It kind of gave me a little reassurance that I don't have to dismiss it right away just because of missing the first one. Right. So... All right. Well, that was it. That was the main Nintendo Direct. I'm glad we could get through that pretty quickly. Uh, in fact, I think we talked less about that than any other game and are now playing. <laughs> but that's all right. Let's uh, let's take one more quick break, and then we'll uh, come back and we'll talk about E3 predictions and thoughts. And we're gonna gear up because shit's gonna get real, real, really. <laughs> back for the final segment of the Negative World Podcast, episode 79. Uh, pretty much, this is the last show before E3 2015, and you know, last episode we went through a huge history of E3 kind of thing, so we want to bring it up to more of a present day scenario, and I thought we could start off by going through kind of a compilation of things that the internet has been saying about what they would like to see, even if they're outlandish or not, um, from the show predictions, uh, that kind of thing. I have a huge list here that I just kind of want to run through relatively quickly. Uh, but if we get to something that we really kind of, that resonates with us, I think we should talk about it a little bit more. And then uh, at the end, if there's anything that we didn't hit, you know, we'll, we'll bring it up. Sound yeah. good? Yeah. All right. So this doesn't have too much of a flow. We'll just kind of go with it. I didn't actually put them in any order besides non-Nintendo and Nintendo. Uh, oh, and then like where I got it from, because Steven did a really fun thread uh, I think it was maybe last month he started it, and it hasn't kind of gotten hits in a couple days, but where you create a announcement, a Dream E3 announcement, and then the next person has to actually ruin it and then make their own Dream. And that was a really funny-as-hell thread. I don't know if he thought of that or if he made it, uh, got it from somewhere, but... It was surprisingly fun. 
Yeah, I had a lot of like I didn't want to actually post like too much in it because I didn't want to yeah, be no. like fair. I want to be fair to everyone, but yeah. I kept wanting to join in because it was just really fun to yep. stipulate, you know, speculate. I should say not stipulate, but all right. So to start things off, let's start with the competition because Nintendo's got competition, and uh, we all know that they're not doing very well in the market. And uh, you know the Kinect is just such a huge failure, and Microsoft is going third party soon, and uh, uh, yada yada yada. But uh, just kidding, I don't know too much about the competition, but clearly there's going to be a bunch of good shit coming from them. Uh, but something that actually kind of comes close to home is a new Banjo Kazooie being shown off, and uh, with gameplay footage. Is that something that you guys like? Let's let's try to put these into two categories: realistic or pipe dreams. You know that Mario can flush down for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about Banjo Kazooie uh, being shown off and being a gameplay kind of trailer ready, um, Hendrick? Realistic or pipe dream? Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with pipe dream. Okay. Seems like it's been a long. Maybe maybe they want to capitalize and like steal the thunder from ukulele. So maybe I could well, see that. There has been rumors that Rare is working on something that they're ready to show off. I okay. think that's where that comes yeah. from. So, I mean, even if it is, it does happen, you know, there's no guarantee it would be a 3D platformer. It could be another weird thing like uh, Nuts and Bolts. So. And Joe, what do you think? Realistic or Pipe Dream? Pipe Dream. Now, is it the gameplay or the BK? The uh, BK. I think there could be Burger King at E3. I, I do why. think it, there I think it is. Long. <laughs> there is. There is. I think it's realistic that there'll be gameplay footage of some games shown. Aha. Oh, I don't know. Not, not from Nintendo, because... Yeah. No, they only make Amiibos now. Yeah. They only make Amiibos. <laughs> but they, uh, if, you know, if they good. made... I wish they would make Amiibo commercials that were like the old like 90s commercials with the action figures and stuff. Like, you got a hand like twisting it around, like, oh, look at my my Kung Fu action and stuff like that. Right. It'd be kind of funny. Okay, so yeah, I think, I think a BK being shown off is realistic, because the rumors kind of lead it that direction, but a gameplay footage situation? Uh, pipe Dream. What about Half-Life 3 being re- revealed? There's rumors for that, too. Um, yeah, I feel like that's been the rumor for at least 10 years or something. Right. Like, So I'm going to put that under Pipe Dream. So it's the new Duke Nukem forever? Yep. Uh, so, okay, Joe, you're, you're up. Half-Life 3. Revealed? Yes or no? Realistic Same. Just exactly what, uh, yeah, exactly what Hendrick just said. Okay. For that reason. Yeah. I'm such a damn optimist. <laughs> I'm going to say that's good. but that's great. I feel like it, it could be there. I mean, it's been so long since the other one. I think they've been hyping it up uh, from what I've read. Uh, I don't you know, spend a lot of time outside of Nintendo channels, so I could be completely off. But uh, I think it'd be pretty cool. So what about a new Battletoads coming with that Shovel Knight DLC that uh, Microsoft is getting with the Battletoads and all that? Um, it, sure. You know, it's plausible. Yeah, is sure. I mean, realistic? I... I don't really know. I'll, I'll say realistic just to change things up, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot of this might be pipe dreams from the start, but we'll see. Uh, Joe? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I wish it was true for whatever that counts towards, but uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, to me, it's, like, it's almost like where Nintendo is at with F-Zero, where I feel like they probably know that there's a, a certain amount of people out there there who would want it, but they probably don't feel it's enough to actually make a game uh, out of it. So mm. I, I'm going to say Pipe Dream, even though I, I, I wish that it would happen. I, I'm going to say it's like sticking out of the pipe, so it's not in the pipe. But 
what if they were doing something maybe more like a remake of Battletoads, kind of like they did with the DuckTales game? Sure. I can see that maybe coming around. And then but, like, neat. why now? Like, why Battletoads after... Hasn't it been, like, 20 years, really? 20th Anniversary Edition. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, I think they're trying to get Rare relevant again. A little bit. Because they've really fallen off the map over the past maybe seven years, and that would be one way to do it without relying on Banjo-Kazooie. Or... Well, I'm switching the pipe dream, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not make my case well enough, apparently. Okay. All right, so that's all I had for competition. So, I mean, is there anything else you guys are expecting from the competition? Hmm. <laughs> the Last Guardian, finally. <laughs> is it like a sequel to The Last of Us, or...? No, uh, sequel to Ico and Shadow of the Colossus that's mm. been pushed back like a hundred times. Yep. Okay, so that's realistic not to you. It's been officially canceled, yeah. though, right? No, it's that's a pipe dream, I'm afraid, but it would be cool to see. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there that pipe dream is going to come back. <laughs> uh, and that is not a pipe dream. That's realistic. Uh, that would well, be kind of cool to see a new pipe dream, actually. Disney owns the rights now, right? Because they bought LucasArts. Oh, wow. I didn't know that those guys did that game. Really? Yep, yep. Wow, fascinating. I know, because I would buy every... I was a big PC guy, and I loved Monkey Island and those games, so I bought every game for LucasArts, and that one was completely different, and I hated it, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Change is good. Um, Okay, so let's, let's move on, then, from the competition, and let's go into the Nintendo. So these ones I've pulled from just the, the internet in general, and I don't think they retread from the Corrupted Dream E3 announcement thread, so we can we can just go with this. Let's start with Xenoblade Chronicles getting a release date for North America. I think that's realistic. Maybe not an exact, like, you know, November 3rd or whatever, but I think we'll get a, a, a holiday, holiday or month. Yeah, I think so. And I think it'll be 2015. Okay. Agree. Okay. <laughs> I agree as well. I think I think it's definitely coming out this year. Especially if it is coming out in Japan this year, I think. It's out already. Is it really? Yep. You're not shitting me? Nope. I feel like I would have heard more about that. Wow. And it had day one DLC, which I didn't like. And I, I, I'm sure Joe wouldn't like to hear well, either. <laughs> what was the DLC exactly? It was like, um, I think characters or something. This one seems oh. weird. I've, I've got to say, my hype for this game has kind of dwindled a little because it seems kind of different with its online stuff and yeah and the way quests it seems like different characters have different quests i don't know if i i'm feeling that well i'm not you know i'm not against day one dlc in the sense of like a day one patch because sometimes you realize you got to do something that happens after the prints are happening for the discs so i get that but like actual dlc like true dlc on day one is kind of shitty i don't know yeah, this was paid DLC, like ten dollars right, for right. characters and stuff. So. And we, these are characters to use in the main game, or is there like a multiplayer? See, I don't. Thing? There's something weird about. I don't re- quite understand how it works. Like the multi online multiplayer has this weird like hub system where you can. I've only read a little bit about it, um, and I'm not that like I might be completely off base, but like there's some kind of like you can create like a clan and do stuff and like. I do quests online, and it will, like, if you're in my clan, it'll also give you experience, too. I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely going to give it, like, Xenoblade is such a big hit for me that I'm going to give it a, a go and, and see it, but I think I might end up just sticking more to the one player for that. Right. 
I mean, that's all I ever wanted out of Xenoblade, so I'm, I'm okay with that here, too. But, uh... So, I've, I'm sorry, Joe, if you already said it. So, you you agree? Really mm-hmm. state then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think that, that makes sense. What about the next one? Star Fox being shown with a demo. I think Star Fox will be playable. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't specify what kind of demo. So, you think a playable demo? I think so, yeah. I think it's been long enough and they need something there if Zelda's not going to be there. Will they so. be on Dinosaur Planet? They will, yes, that's right. <laughs> It'll be Crystal's Adventures on yeah. Dinosaur Planet. That would make a lot of people happy, I think. I think people are a fan of her. But Joe, do you think that that is realistic or a pipe dream? I mean, it's hard to say because they... Had so little you know, last was, year? What's that? They had so little last year? Well, yeah, but but they were very secretive about what they did have, right? I mean, it could because if it's like Miyamoto showed off those two gamepad games, and did he not say, I can't remember if he said directly, these are going to be parts of Star Fox, or did he just say these could be? I think because, they're actually, well, they've been listed as separate games, and every time they have an investor uh, meeting, they keep popping up as separate games, so okay. I don't know. Uh, I mean, really, either way, that kind of language, doesn't it make it sound like the actual Star Fox game is like so far off in terms of its, you know, completion? Right. That... And I, th- I think they said at E3 last year that like they were looking for a, a developer to kind of like take over from what they'd done and and like they wouldn't make it themselves. So I, you might be right, but I don't know. I'm, yeah. I, I guess I've got my, I might be living in the pipe dream myself. Well, that said, if if the game is is more just like you know a, a Star Fox game in HD, then I could see I could see them being able to crank that out, you know, without needing too much development time. So, but I don't get the sense that that's that that's what they are going to try to do. If it, if it is, they could pull it off. If not, which I don't think it is, then then no, definitely not. Yeah, for me. Well, Okay. I'm sorry, but I, you know what I'm wondering about, which you know is listed here, is like I'm wondering, would we get some sort of time frame? Just like, will they say 2016 or or what? You know, as far as when it's supposed to come out. Right. Well, with with the Zelda thing moving, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe they have to try to position this into a better spot, you know, mm-hmm. to cover that. I don't know. It'll be yeah. I, yeah, I'm not too big on the Star Fox franchise, so I'm I'm not spending too much time thinking about it or how it could fit into the strategy. Like to me, it doesn't it doesn't have too much of a place in, in there. I would love to be proven wrong though. Maybe I'll be blown away by this one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I I can't say if it's either either way. I guess I think it's more realistic than a pipe dream though. Okay. And uh, you know, yeah. So the other point that we kind of went over was it having a release date and everything. Um, I don't know if, if a release window or anything is going to be in the queue mm-hmm. just yet. Right. I can see that being something from a future Nintendo Direct after E3. They do things in such steps. So So moving on to the next one, uh, the other franchise that was forgotten for a while, a Metroid game. Do you think the 3D Metroid by Retro Studios will show? I'm going to go with Pipe Dream. Here's why. Um, I made a bet with uh, another board member, Deathly Hallows. I said, this was, I think, two years ago, maybe three years ago, I said that there'd be a Metroid would be announced by the end of 2015. 
and I was sure that it was going to happen, and I thought it would be like, oh, they'll announce it in 2013. And now that it hasn't happened, I think I personally have cursed Metroid. They're not going to make <laughs> any more Metroid games just because of that bet. <laughs> well, thanks, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, th- I feel like maybe this is just the hype machine of everyone hoping. Like It's like Tinkerbell, right? We're all just like clapping our hands or wishing or whatever the hell happens in that story. Um, but we, we all want it so bad that we're hoping that she comes back from the dead and that she is Samus Aran in a 3D Metroid. Because I think that it's realistic that we could see another Metroid. Maybe not a Metroid from Retro or maybe not a 3D Metroid, but I would think something's got to be brewing. You know. I'm just concerned with like, like I'm just really uncertain of where Metroid is in Nintendo's mind right now, or even like it's what called it is. The shitter. You know what I mean? Well, kind of. I mean, they they had a string of successful 3D games, and all the while they had this sort of stable of successful 2D games. But then, it, you know, it feels like do do they not know where to take it? Do that, you know, are they not like was Retro Studios making the 3D games? Did that feel like too much of a departure to them that they don't? They don't want the series to become that, and it kind of was becoming that. So, but maybe they feel like a 2D game is not impressive enough in in 2015. So, like, I just don't know where their head is at, what they consider Metroid to be. But if they are having that kind of dilemma, I feel like they're just overthinking it because I feel like Metroid fans and Nintendo fans have not gotten tired of either of those things yet. So, until we say otherwise, just keep selling us the same thing. No, I mean... Well, apparently but, it's you know. region-based. Like, Japan oh, yeah, is, yeah. is very not, you know, feeling the Metroid love, but it's pretty popular in America. And, you know, maybe that affects it, because they're not going to make one of their big franchise, quote-unquote, games for catered to just one region. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a bummer, though, because I think that you're right. I think there is a big market for it. And I think, again, with the Wii U and the power it's got behind it, having a new Metroid Prime, I think, would be such a show, a showpiece for the system that I'm surprised they didn't have it lined up sooner, to be honest. I mean, if you want to get buzz, if you want positive buzz for, like, amongst a certain crowd, um, you know, the gaming enthusiast crowd, I think that's all you would need to do. Is And, like, immediately people would mark that as a winner of E3, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it, based on me and my curse, I think it'll be. The, I don't think Metroid is dead. I think I'll announce it January first, two thousand sixteen. <laughs> so I lose my bet, and uh, there's that. Watch, there's that's it. exactly what's going to happen. The New Year's <laughs> Direct. Awada <laughs> will just flip the bird and be like, "I see you, Hendrick." <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about. Let's kind of just knock out the big franchises. I guess that's how I line them up. Zelda Wii U being shown off. Now, just a precursor to this, they were said that they were not going to guarantee it for this year, which we kind of probably expected. But they also kind of implied that it may not even show up at E3. I don't think they flat out said it wouldn't, but uh, you know, I can't imagine they're going to show this off until they're ready. And if they're not ready for 2015, I don't know. So what do you guys think? So, so I'm going to go against the grain. I I think it is realistic that they'll have a video. I don't think it'll be playable. I just don't think they're going to miss an opportunity to... to I mean, look, the game has clearly progressed a, a lot. Like, they, they had that, that full, um, 
you know, Ayuma was walking around that huge overworld we saw. So I don't think they'd be stupid just to ignore it. I mean, and I think this is a good way for them to say, you thought there wasn't going to be anything, but here you go, a, a, a trailer. So I think that'll that'll come. Maybe gameplay won't be really part of it, though. So you think maybe like a showpiece as opposed because maybe they're yeah. refining the gameplay right now, and it's what's taking them so long. Right. I don't think. I, I certainly don't think there'll be a playable demo, but I think you you could see maybe showing off something that we haven't seen yet, like dungeons or bosses or something. All right, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I think I think actually on this because I definitely could see them showing a video, much like they did with our first look, where we got sort of you know there were some pieces that had like hints as to what might be different with about Girl this Link world, <laughs> right? So. I could see them doing another video like that that might give us another glimpse as at something that, you know, sets this Zelda apart from other ones. You know, like uh, Twilight Princess had the whole Shadow Realm thing. Uh, Skyward Sword had the, the sword play and the Skyloft area. So I could see them showing something that tells us a little bit more about why this game is different. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that I would not be completely surprised if they showed us just something like what we saw when Miyamoto and Anuma were um, were just kind of like wandering through the the overworld. I wouldn't be surprised if we got one other video like that. So it's not a playable demo in the sense of them showing it off like during the treehouse or something. But I could see them releasing some footage of them playing it in a controlled way. That's That's me being optimistic on this. As long as it's not on stage where the cell phones, quote-unquote, were causing disruption, oh, yeah. I think Nintendo will be all right. Yep. Do you think it's going to be... Because f- even, though, even though they said, like, don't expect Zelda or we're not going to show much Zelda, I just, I just feel like they need it. I just feel like they need... Even if they don't have much to show, I feel like they need to, to leave some breadcrumbs on this to keep people following along. That's I, just my feeling. I agree. I think that even if they had Star Fox and Metroid... To have some sort of next step, like you said, the next breadcrumb for Zelda, even if it was like a thirty-second snippet, it's they got to keep that in our in our hearts that it's on its way, you know, and that it's not because I think they got to prove that even though the delay is happening, it's not because they're having issues or failing; it's because they want to make it better. So they got to keep our our confidence up, mm-hmm. and so yeah. we'll see if that happens. So I guess that goes into though. Do you think that it's going to be officially delayed to 2016? I think it could. I mean, 2016 to me seems almost optimistic because I'm worried that it'll get pushed. It's going to get pushed to the next hardware. But you haven't made any other bets, right? (laughs) No, no bets on no bets on Zelda. I do. I mean, maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic. But we've we've been down this road again before with Twilight Princess, which you guys you know talked up last uh, last show. So. Joe? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think that there's a chance that it could slip into 2017, but I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt of 2016, but not 2015. All right, fair enough. I, I think, I think just because it's June, and I mean we haven't had E3 yet, but I just feel like it's a sure thing that it'll be pushed to 2016. I think that's not just a pipe dream or realistic. I think that's ultra-realistic. It's like every (laughs) bubble... Ultra-realistic. It's ultra-64 realistic, and every (laughs) bubble universe that ever existed, it's the same thing. 
It's the one I, variable that's never changed. I'm wondering who's having the pipe dream of it being officially delayed. Oh, I can't wait until it's officially delayed to 2016. <laughs> right. Wart, maybe? or Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Wart. Maybe Wart. In the subcon? Um, yeah, so I, I think that's on the, on the chopping block. I think that they're going to have some other things to fill 2015 up, though. So I don't think they're too worried. But again, I think they should keep up the uh, momentum. And maybe they'll do it with the next uh, theory, I guess. Super Mario Galaxy 3. I'm going to have to go pipe dream on this one. I think that whatever EAD Tokyo is working on, I think it'll, first of all, I don't think it'll be Galaxy. I think it'll be a new... It's going to be a, re- a new reimagining of 3D Mario that's neither 3D World or my or Galaxy or or even Sunshine, and I think that they're probably going to hold off until the next system because they've already done one 3D Mario this system, and before we that's usually what we got, so that's what I think. Right, Joe. Yeah, I think that they're I think that they're done with Galaxy. Um, and yeah, I also don't know if we would see like one of those flagship kind of Mario titles. Um, I, I don't think Mario Maker is going to be their only kind of Mario tentpole. Um, so I could see them coming out with something, but I don't think it would be as large in scope as something like Galaxy. And I, that, that sort of, leads me to wonder what direction they would go in because they've, they've already done the 2D Mario, so... Yeah, so I don't know what it'll be, but 4D I Mario. It'll, it'll be like Blinks, but with Mario. <laughs> or like Braid or something, but Super, yeah, Super Mario Braiders. And it's just Mario braiding hair. <laughs> okay, so I think Super Mario Galaxy 3 is a delicious pipe dream, but it's a pipe dream. I mean, I I would have ate that up as a launch title or something like that. Again, I just want to see all these old Wii games in their HD forms. That enough would sell me because some of those games look so beautiful and were so fun. Just to have a new level pack, more or less, in the spruced up HD would be enough for me. But, yeah, I don't think it's happening. I think you're right. The resources are going to something else. Uh, surely they're working on a Mario of some kind, but, yeah, where it falls, I, ooh, I don't know. I do think we could get Super Mario Galaxy 1 for a new 3DS. That's my that's what I think they're going to do. As a standalone okay. cart or Yeah, as a cart because I thought it was kind of suspicious that they released Super Mario Galaxy 2 on Wii U downloadable but not the original. Mm. And I think that's cuz they're going they're going to put, you know, I don't know, Grezzo or Monster Games, one of those teams that does those ports and they'll throw that Throw that onto the uh, a new 3ds so that they have another exclusive. I could see that. That sounds smart. Interesting uh, theory. I think I don't see why Zelda would have to be the only franchise to get proper remakes. You know, right. it would be interesting. But I not that I want to see a ton of those. But I think Mario Galaxy would be something interesting to, especially if it had the 3D. That would be really cool. Actually, that's a good point. And, like, maybe you could use the touchpad to pick up the star bits and shoot star bits. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Imagine the two-player mode, you know, where, hey, hey, buddy, here, touch the screen while I play. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Uh, although, imagine a two-player mode where the second 3DS gets the video streamed to them, and then they can still affect it all the same. That'd be wild. But probably pointless. Okay, so uh, let's move on to 
a DLC section, I suppose. More Super Smash Brothers DLC. I think this is. Well, we now know that we're getting Lucas that day, but and, I, and they've already said that they're, they're going to do another character, right? Okay, we so, all voted on. So I'm saying like, okay, let, let's elaborate it then. Well, okay, so we we say it's realistic. I think that's unanimous. But what do you think is? Do you think that new stages is realistic or pipe dream? I would like new stages. Um, I don't know. The, the the fact that Lucas is four dollars has kind of turned me off of Smash Brothers DLC. Like, I don't know. That just seems super expensive to me. So you must have got Mewtwo for free then. I did. I did. Yeah. And I wouldn't have paid anything for Mewtwo. I, not not my favorite character. So uh, For me, I'm going to feel inclined to buy them all because I want it to feel like a complete roster. But yeah, I don't know if I want to do that at five bucks a pop for both systems. You know, I mean, I kind of paid so much money to buy the games themselves. And yeah, they had a lot of characters, but um, even if I'm not that big on a character, I just feel like I'm going to want it. And uh, That'll be an interesting thing here. I hope that well, they do DLC sales. There were like 50 characters, right, if you count the Miis as separate characters? I think it's 52 if you count them as Yeah, and, and so, and the game costs $60, right? So, mm-hmm. like, and there's everything else in the game. It just seems, like, completely not proportionate to have a one character for $4. Yeah, I still feel like, and we won't retread into this too much, but I always feel like they should have they should have released things in a character level and maybe, like, well, music, obviously, and then maybe, like, another item or something. Uh, like, a, a pack like that, as opposed to this individual stuff with costumes is one thing, and just do it as a, as a like, a overall pack for 5 bucks. Right. Or, or maybe even like seven bucks, but like a whole new franchise enters the arena with as if it was there from the start. Not these, you know, another character from existing franchises where they probably won't even add new Earthbound music, and uh, or a new Earthbound stage or anything like that. Right. I mean, and I think I'll hate this even more when I hear like what a stage alone will cost, if anything. Maybe they won't even. Maybe those will be free. That'd be kind of cool. Who knows? I would justify paying more for characters if other content was free, but. With the costumes as they are, and and the characters, yeah, I don't know. But I think it, it'll, I think it'll show for sure. I think more than what we've seen will be there. Is, is to answer that question, and I kind of skipped over Joe. You guys said uh, there's nothing you guys uh, didn't say that I would that I would need to. So okay, I will say that they, there's the big rumor about Ryu mm-hmm. and and Roy. If they ever said, you know. You get Roy, Ryu, and Lucas for ten bucks. Even that would be a lot, but I might be more willing to do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be a sale, I think, because if they did it just as a natural pack, I think people would be burned by getting Mewtwo for five bucks. Or right. you know what I mean? So you have to be consistent across the board, or people are going to say, "Well, why was my favorite character more than that person's favorite character?" and stuff like that. So I think that's that's a pipe dream, unfortunately, but. Uh, I do think we're going to see some surprise announcements, and I think Sakurai might announce that he's on death row, or not death row, but um, his deathbed, which is in a row of other beds. So, uh, but because he's working so damn hard on this, it seems like he's never going to ever stop. You know. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So, what? Speaking of DLC, though, what about more Mario Kart 8 DLC? Could we see more cups? I'm going to file that, unfortunately, under Pipe Dream. And I hope I'm wrong, but I just feel like they probably 
all this talk of NX, I maybe I we might be completely wrong, and maybe like the, the Wii U is here to stay, but I it just seems to be this vibe that they're going all in for the next thing, and they're probably going to want Mario Kart on that pretty quickly, so they might have the team. And as far as I know, there's only one Mario Kart team, and sometimes they need help from Retro and stuff, so I'm thinking they probably are sifting focus after that, after that amazing DLC we just got. Joe? Same. Yeah, I, th- I, I don't know if... I don't know if adding more right now like i don't know if that game is was built with the idea of that they were gonna keep adding even more packs uh as much as we talked about that might be a cool idea going forward i don't know if this game is really ready for that uh but even if it is i don't think they would announce it this soon right after um a pack just released that's my guess okay and and you pretty much said my thoughts too uh i think just the way that the menus are designed shows it was designed with this in mind, and that's yeah. it. I think at best we could expect to see a Smash Card announcement, not now, but in the future, and then that might be set up for more of that. But yeah, I think Mario Kart 8 is, is finished. So, hope you're having fun. We are. <laughs> uh, and this kind of segues into the next one, which uh, is probably like my most wanted, actually at this point, one of them my most wanted uh, wishes is Animal Crossing for Wii U being revealed. It's it's about time, right? Realistic. Yeah, I, I I say realistic. Um, not to say it'll definitely happen, but it's it's certainly something I would be one of the less surprising things I would see happening. I mean, they already did all the 3D models for that free Animal Crossing Plaza app, and that was like two years ago. Yeah, and that was two years ago. And I hate to say it, but they have. Like, after City Folk was kind of just seemed like a cash in, just like, all right, we'll just remake it and not add City anything. Folk. I could Shh. see, I could see them going that same route here and just basically doing a, a new leaf Wii U version, which would be a bummer, but. Say it ain't so. Don't, don't put that into the ether. Because <laughs> in my world, I feel like they've learned from that mistake and that they won't do it again. But was it a mistake? I think they made sold millions of that game and probably made a lot of money. Well, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put no. it in the ether, man. <laughs> I mean, well, I think that they would try at least to make it a little bit more different. You know, I, I mean, new items would go a long way, just new new decor, but then again, they have the damn game for the 3DS that's going to be all about that. So it makes yeah. you wonder, you know. Unless that's going to link up to the Wii U version. Which it may, because there was a quote from a... Someone asked an Animal Crossing developer, if, when are we going to see the Wii U? And he said, well, it's hard to enter that right now, but we do have a new 3DS game coming. So it's kind of mysterious. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's realistic that it could be shown, but yeah, I guess to expand on it, like you said, for it to be a fully realized, totally new experience like New Leaf was, maybe that's more of a pipe dream. But at the same time, if they were to take a New Leaf-style Animal Crossing, make it HD, and perhaps give it more of that community feel that the original had, because playing it on one console with everybody is different than obviously playing where you have your own cart and everything, um, especially when you have people living in your home and everything that can share. You know, that, that's a different experience. Maybe it could be different enough, but... Uh... Anyway, okay, I think my brain's gone into how to spin this so you don't go to sleep sad mode, so uh, let's just move on. 
Uh, okay, we kind of touched on this already, but I have it as a separate note here. A new Metroid for the 3DS, 2D style. Um, yeah, I. It seems it's just such a no-brainer. I don't. I just don't get why we haven't had it yet. So I'm just. I'll still file another pipe dream until proven otherwise. But uh, it's just I don't understand why they're not doing that. All right, Joe. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I mean. I would love to see that happen. Uh, that would be probably my top Metroid uh, wish. Uh, you know, at this point is a is a two D, and hopefully uh, at the end of the timeline because we it was kind of left on a cliffhanger. Um, but uh, like I said earlier, I just I'm not secure enough with where I think they're at conceptually with Metroid. Uh, to to be able to say like I think this is coming right now, so I'm gonna say pipe dream. All right, I uh, for some reason I feel like this is more of a pipe dream than the 3D Metroid. So I'm gonna say even though it makes a lot of sense, it's more of a pipe dream for me. Yeah. So okay, next one, Club Nintendo's replacement revealed. I'm going to go and say at E3, this is a pipe dream, although I do think it's going to happen soon. It just doesn't seem like an E3 type of thing to me. They'll probably do like a direct about it later. But how can they do a survey about E3 if they don't announce it now? True. <laughs> Joe? Um, I'm going to say realistic, actually, because though that is a good point about this not really being like an E3 kind of announcement, I feel like what Nintendo does with the digital events and stuff you know, I think they have a little more wiggle room to just touch on anything that is pertinent to them, what they're doing, and how they can, you know, sell their other products. So, um, and I think that based on the timing for when Club Nintendo, you know, all the deadlines for shutting down and, you know, redeeming coins and all that, I feel like this is the time. I feel like this is a good time to tell people like we're not just taking something away but we're actually just changing it into something else all right i think i'm more aligned with you joe except i still don't feel like they would actually kick it off now i think i don't think they're going to announce an upcoming kickoff i think they would maybe describe it a little bit but then it'll be starting in the fall or maybe well i don't know i because yeah this is the fiscal year change right I can't imagine them waiting till the next fiscal year, but I can, I can imagine them wanting to start in the fiscal year. So, you know, maybe maybe they would have it ready. I I just feel like they're still developing it. So I think mm -hmm. it's more of a pipe dream for me. Okay. So, moving on from that, we have the exact release date for Mario Maker, which I don't think we have yet. Right? We have like a a month window, maybe or a September October ish. You can nail this one down. Ultra real, ultra sixty four realistic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I agree. Same. All right, I I think I'm gonna agree there. Uh, you know, I'm gonna throw this one into the mix. It wasn't in the list, but DLC for Mario Maker, whether it's new items that won't be in the game or anything like that, or other uh, level themes, maybe a Super Mario Brothers two kind of thing, or think any of that's I, possible. I think it's possible, but I don't think they'll announce it. They, I think they haven't really done much in terms of announcing DLC before the game comes out, as far as I know. Right? Yeah, I think I think my brain just wanted to think of that, because you're right. I don't really think it would be announced either right now until the game's out, because that would kind of piss people off, and and I think they know that, even if they're planning to do it without, you know, uh, inhibition. 
So, Joe? Um, do, you think, do you think they'll expand on the content, or do you think they'll kind of neglect this game a little bit? Just announce that it's almost coming out, and then just move on? I'm just wondering how... And maybe I'm not thinking about this, uh, you know, in, in enough different ways, but, like, DLC for a creative... For what is essentially, like, a creative game, I mean, isn't that... Wouldn't that be particularly frustrating? Right, like, what would they sell? Yes. Like, just different skins, or because you can't, you can't have like, you know, purchase the paratrooper or something like that. Like, that's uh, <laughs> it's I have... like a Mario Party mini game, right? Yeah. Well, the... and then it also would get questions. <laughs> that's true. It doesn't sound like that. Uh, it it also gets to the question like, all right, if you don't have the paratrooper, can you play the levels that other people make who do have the paratrooper? <laughs> so it opens a can of worms. I would love to see the Super Mario Land um, skin. You know, just <laughs> this, like Game Boy. Yeah, those little, little exploding Koopas. <laughs> it was really yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think this this don't, this kind of seems like a game that could have free DLC. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being too optimistic, but where they could add stuff to just throughout the life. To add more like little gadgets, you know, springboards or whatever. And I think that's where my mind was going to. Like, not even announcing specific DLC, but saying that they plan to, you know, they're going to release it and it's going to be super fully featured. But they they're looking into maybe even expanding it further, and if they right. can for free, that's only going to really be fair. I think what we might see is a little explanation of, and I, I do fully expect there to be a pretty meaty package of st- of Nintendo created levels in this game. And I think they're they're going to be able to go a little more wacky with some of this stuff because you know because it's in this creative kind of game environment, and so I could see them saying you know you're going to get a hundred levels of Nintendo created Mario goodness and and that would be nice to see. Agreed. So uh, okay, so you know I realize we still have quite a few left, and uh, so I'm going to try to keep us moving. I'm I'm at fault for pretty much every time we've talked forever, so. Uh, let's just keep the ball rolling with uh, something Earthbound related. Pipe dream. Yeah. Pipe dream. And again, something like anything at all. Pipe, Pipe dream. dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Ever the optimist, you know, I think it'd be cool, but I guess I guess it's more of a pipe dream. So, new 3ds Zelda. Uh, pipe dream. Majora's Mask came out pretty recently. So not even like a link between worlds kind of thing. No. Okay, Joe. Yeah, I'm saying pipe dream. Not only did Majora's Max just come come out, but you know I feel like a link between worlds isn't that old. So, right. Let's see. It was uh, wasn't it a year? Twenty thirteen, right? Yeah, like maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. So not even not even a hint at a 3D Zelda for down the line. Or 3DS nope, no Zelda, hints. I'm sorry. Okay. No secrets for everybody. What about a Yoshi Woolly World release date for the U.S.? Yep, I think so. What about it releasing on the day of E3? <laughs> no, okay, so you think that's realistic, Joe? Realistic? Yes, Ultra okay. 64 realistic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they've waited this long when it's pretty much coming out everywhere else now, And but uh, who knows? I'm going to say that's PS2 Toy Story level graphics realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. 
Alright, well then one more that I just thought of. What about more amiibo? Uh, whether... I, well, okay, I'll just keep it simple. What about the next wave of Smash Brothers amiibo? Like, uh, beyond the ones yeah. that are coming out in June, July? Like How wave. many more do they need to do? It's like ten or less. Oh, yeah, then... Yes, probably. I think, I think maybe like ten. After once, the, like the one, like Olimar and the other ones that are coming out next, I think it'll be about ten. And actually, maybe okay. Do you think they're going to talk about the Mewtwo amiibo and the DLC amiibo? Mm, no. Okay. Go. Um, my prediction is that for every Nintendo correspondence from here into the foreseeable future, there will be new amiibo announced. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> can mark me My, Yeah, I think that. what they'll do is they'll, they're going to end up having all 670 or 685 <laughs> oh, trophies from Smash Brothers. They're going to have an oh. amiibo for every one of those. Oh, okay. That'd be freaking awesome yet madness. Yeah. <laughs> Man, okay. All right, well, uh, I definitely foresee some amiibo support at E3, uh, but I have no idea what it'll be. So, All right, so the next set of topics were actually from the Corrupted Dream E3 announcement that Steven made, and these are probably going to be way more outlandish and way more dream, you know, pipe dreamish. Let's do that. Let's start with Super Mario RPG to get a sequel. Um, that, I'm going to say, no chance. Okay. Because no Square, I mean, what are they, what would Square get out of that at this point? Gino? A new Geno model? <laughs> so, Joe, you agree? Yes. Okay. Yeah. If I just move on, it means I agree, too. Uh, Mother 3 gets translation, it gets a translation, and comes to the Virtual Console. So I think my pipe dream, there is a slight chance, is that someday they'll do a, a trilogy for 3DS or whatever their next handheld is that in, you know includes updated Mother 1. And then Earthbound pretty much as it is now, and then Mother, Mother 3 pretty much Mother as M. it is now. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I say that, that there is in the realm of possibility, yes. Okay. And Joe? Um, you know, I think as far as some of these on this list, it's it's less of a pipe dream than some of the others. I still don't see it happening, like in the near future, but I could see it happening someday. I don't think that this would happen. I don't know. I just don't think they care that much. But I guess I don't know how much Earthbound sold on the VC at all. If I knew that, maybe that would help sway. Kojima announcing a new Nintendo IP for Wii U. Well, that was my dream announcement. I'm gonna say zero chance. Zero chance. Negative three chance. <laughs> All right. What about Kid Icarus Uprising getting an HD port on the Wii U? Man, I hope so, so much, because I just couldn't... I'm one of those guys who really liked what I saw out of the presentation of Kid Icarus and wanted to love it, but I just couldn't get past the controls on 3DS. So I'll say it's a possibility, and um, I'm hoping for it. Joe? just don't see it happening. Me either, but if it did, I would probably be more inclined to try it than I was with the 3DS one, because as we all know, I, I bought that game, but for my friend, that was it. So, what about a Pokemon MMO finally happening? Yeah, probably not. What? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. 
not not happening. I just it's funny because the fans have always been the ones to push this concept, but I don't think the Pokemon team has ever showed interest in that idea, not even a smidgen. And, and it's it's not an easy undertaking. I mean, you can't just like be do an MMO like oh I did a, a normal RPG I can do an MMO. See, I I can imagine maybe them doing like a mystery dungeon type thing where you play as a Pokemon. And then that way you can have multiple of the same Pokemon, and, and you can keep it limited to that, and you don't have to have any human interactions, but it's still not going to happen. So, Joe, a new Kirby's Dream Course. Nope. All right, Hendrick? No. Steven? No. Okay. Um, this is compelling. Very compelling yeah. podcast. You know, <laughs> we, yeah, well, you have a good point. Okay, so how can we jazz this up? Well, I do think the next Saturdays. one's interesting. The next one is... <laughs> The next one's interesting. I do yeah, the next think one is a little bit interesting. A new power glove. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, cross-platform or cross-buy virtual consoles immediately happening. Probably not immediately. Probably not immediately. But I, I think Nintendo, with their, like, you know, the, the Tipping Stars uh, experiment they did, giving it to you both on Wii U and 3DS, and I don't know, I just... That, I feel like in PR and stuff, they've just kind of been hinting that they might go this route soon. They have to understand how ridiculous it is to have people buy Mario for the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. I could see it. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, uh, I agree. I don't know. I, I don't. It's not happening in a couple weeks, but I think it will be happening soon. Um, I don't know if it's going to have to take until the next hardware, but I feel like they are. Like Henry said, they're giving clues that they are getting that so, idea. So they'll be so against the idea of cross-buy that they're going to combine their next systems, just they only have to release it on one platform. <laughs> so you cross-buy by buying the one copy. Could be. Yeah. And then they charge double for the games. Right. <laughs> the games are now $120. <laughs> um, or 100 bucks, 60 and 40 uh, Okay. Uh, I think it's... I, you know, I don't know how it would logistically work, but I would hope that it would. I mean, I really would be on board with it, and I think it's possible. Do you think that it would link up to the cl- the new Club Nintendo? Yeah, I think I think that like would make sense. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily be tied into it specifically, but just to announce them at the same time, roll them out at the same time, and have them, you know, when you buy a game, it'll keep track of it in that way. You know, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I think it'll be tied to your NNID, mm-hmm. so the. Because I think it was always awkward that you had your Club Nintendo account and your NNID, so... I constantly forgot which was which. Right. Yeah. What about, uh, okay, next is Pikmin 4. Yeah, it's it's possible, but I don't think so, but possible. How did (laughs) Pikmin 3 do? (laughs) Oh, just let it go. Um, I'm just just trying to speak your language. (laughs) It's English, buddy. Anyway, Pikmin 4. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was a million seller. It hasn't showed up on any million seller lists. So it, and I mean, just with the Wii U install base, I imagine it wasn't great. But they did have the Pikmin um, short videos things. I think they like. I think they'll stick with the the franchise going forward. But it might be too early for another a sequel. Yeah, I can yeah. see that being on a future console. I think they like the series. I think Miyamoto loves Pikmin so much that right. he's not going to let it die. Right. Yeah, you know, he uh, he resurrects, kills, or creates pretty much whatever he wants. So right. I think uh, 
think he's got the power. He's flipping tea tables left and right. <laughs> he's flipping them, then flipping them while they're in the air to reset them. <laughs> this one was mine, I think. Time Splitters 4, officially coming exclusive to Wii U. Yeah, what a glorious day that would be. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, I don't think so. No matter how much you want it to happen. Would you guys buy that? Uh, I never actually got into Time Splitters. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I'll evaluate it on its own merits, but not, like, as a matter of course, no. Right, yeah. I haven't played any of them either, so... Oh my gosh, they're so fun. If that were to come to uh, either Nintendo platform, yeah, of course I'd give a look. Especially after the ringing endorsements you've given the series, but... It's super yeah. fun, but it is hard to go back to those controls again. It was like a vague dual analog, but they didn't really have the proper dual analog, so... It's just, uh, it's really hard to go back to Time Splitters 2, but Time Splitters 3 is not so bad. I would love to see them do it with the, the Wii U gamepad, though. But anyway. What about a Metroid movie being made? Um, I think 100% it'll be rated X. X. <laughs> produced by Vivid. And, uh, yeah, it's happening. Well, you know, they are dabbling <laughs> into, you know, the amusement park thing and, there's been rumors about the TV show on Netflix, and there's been uh, talk about them trying to expand their properties beyond gaming. So exactly. I, I think I think a movie isn't out of the out of the realm of possibility, but uh, I think it's, it's still it's far gonna, away. It's going to give new meaning to the term zero suit. What about Super Mario Sunshine Two being announced? Uh, Pianta's Adventure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The Great Pan Park think... Mystery. No, but maybe maybe shoot. a remake. Maybe a remake could happen. I guess people seem to be talking about that recently. So I don't know. What about a new F Zero game? Yeah, I could see that. I mean they they had it in Nintendo Land, and they've got the you know they they featured it in Mario Kart. So clearly they they haven't forgotten about it. So it's possible. Joe. I don't know. I mean, I've been under the impression that them putting it in Mario Kart was them being like, this is all you're getting. Right. So, but, yeah, I don't know. The Nintendo Land argument is a compelling one. Because, yeah, why would they remind us about it there outside of just throwing us a bone in Mario Kart? But, yeah, so, maybe. But I don't see it happening uh, right now. I mean, that's why they put in Takamura's Ninja Castles, because they're clearly re-launching re, uh, <laughs> right, that franchise. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think that it's it's quite possible, I think, that they could be moving into that. I don't see why not. It's a, it's a franchise that isn't being utilized right now. They have been hinting at it in other games, you know, using the, the franchise assets. And Captain Falcon, I think, is still a very popular Smash character. And uh, he was definitely an amiibo that disappeared quickly. So I could see them releasing uh, a new F-Zero game with amiibo. Hmm. What about a proper battle mode returning to Mario Kart? Uh, if, if you mean, like, as DLC for the current game, I'd say zero chance. I do think, you know, next Mario Kart will have it again. I, I really think that the... the uh, transition to HD took a lot more resources than they expected, and they clearly just kind of slapped something together at the end. So I think once now that they are more experienced with HD, it, it'll go back to being a regular installment, although it 
it's never been as good as Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, unfortunately. Joe? I will agree with that completely, other than the fact that my favorite Mario Kart battle mode was on the original Super Nintendo version, Mm. so deal Mm. with it. (laughs) <laughs> I just had so much. I just had so much fun with that. That is an affront to me personally. Really? So, <laughs> no, I've never actually played. I did. I was. I didn't have a, a Super Nintendo growing up, and I never really played Mario Kart because mm. Super Mario Kart. Because by the time I played it, Mario Kart Four was out, and it just didn't seem like a chance to go back. So, sure. Well, pretty much Hendrick said what I was thinking. That I think that they will go back to it eventually, but yeah, I don't think it'll be announced at E3. I do kind of think that they're kind of moving on from Mario Kart now. I think Splatoon is their new Mario Kart. So, kinda. If if they're going to announce any sort of DLC or, or changes, they'll just talk about Splatoon and what's coming up for that. Uh, okay, the last one on the list before we just kind of go off the cuff. Uh, Square Enix making a new Chrono game. Yep, iOS exclusive. Hmm. Definitely coming. What company is doing that? Isn't that Konami or something? I think Square Enix is putting is like focusing more on iPhone stuff, oh. aren't they? I don't know. Well, they could be. I don't know. But uh, no, but didn't Konami say that? that oh yeah, well? uh, yes, yeah. Konami as has Sega. As has I mean Capcom. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of happening. So Popcap Games did it first. <laughs> so that runs the the end of the list, and uh, so I think you know we we've gone quite a while with this, but. Um, I guess I want to spend a few more minutes just kind of finishing up here. Our last thoughts, our last hopes and dreams, our last anything ethy related. You know, what do you, what do you guys, what's on your minds leading up to it? We have like 10 days or 11 days left or however many. Well, I do have one prediction, and that is I do think we're going to see an amiibo game, like 100% based on amiibos. Like an amiibo world or something. I think that the Smash Brothers amiibos will work for it in some way, but it's really going to have its own line of amiibos that it's the real thing. And, you know, and it will be like a Skylanders type game where the the meat of the game is is interfacing with these figurines. Do you think that it would be like if it's compatible with Smash Brothers that at least whatever characters overlap with the main line for that game that they would be they'd have the same functionality? Right, something like that. It could be like a Mario, maybe like a Mario party type cause thing. That's, cause that's their most recognizable franchise. Maybe something set in the Mushroom Kingdom. I don't know. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I mean, as he said that, uh, that seems extremely possible. And yet, I haven't really heard other people suggest that. I guess because when it came to like, uh, Skylanders or something, that, you know, the, the toy, the figurines kind of served that game, whereas with Nintendo it was like, we're making games oh, and here's these figurines but I think really with the wild success of Amiibo, it makes sense then to just make a game that really ties them all together and gives them all a purpose because one of the you know, one of the bigger arguments against Amiibo which people don't really care about but it has been like, well, some of them don't really do anything or they don't do meaningful things. So right. having a sort of catch-all game that no matter what amiibo you buy is going to give you some in-game functionality, that that makes a lot of sense. I know it's a lot of resources, but yeah, I was always kind of bummed at the fact that every amiibo didn't do something in every game. Like, I wish that I could take my Splatoon amiibo, tap it into Mario Kart, and have a Splatoon outfit, at the least. You know, or Captain Toad. 
when you're finding whatever Captain Toad pixel art you find, you do a Splatoon one and you get something related to that in there, or, or excuse me, uh, or like Ness or Wario, but something happens. And they have released more outfits in Mario Kart, and I guess it would take a lot of resources to do that for every game that they have Amiibo support in, especially as the line grows. But, you know, what if... I mean, if they're going to do small batches, which maybe, they, again, they probably should have done instead of doing a Smash one, but just continue to do, like, three to seven per line kind of thing, maybe they could do specific stuff per batch. So any Splatoon Amiibo would do the same thing, and then you could just pick your favorite, you know, to have on your desk or whatever. But uh, to to do an Amiibo-specific game, I don't know exactly what that would entail. I have a hard time imagining what fun could be had or what they could do where it wouldn't just piss people off because people wouldn't have this one or that one. And there's no way in hell they're going to feed the market with more, you know, more Marths than they already have. I think that second run is probably the last of it. And, you know, this and that, all these hard ones, the, the I guess Greninja and... Jigglypuff were, were okay, but once they kind of go through their thing, I don't think they're going to keep that going for years to come or even months to come. Well, that's why I don't think like, if if Marth was, first of all, I can't imagine them having, like, you play as Marth in this game. But what I mean is, they'll have some sort of nod, like, even if it's like Hyrule Warriors, where every single amiibo could give you a rupee or whatever, they'll have something, but I think that they'll launch a new line Right. Like specifically branded Amiibo World or whatever it is, and then they'll make sure that there's plenty of those as necessary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying to ignore the fact that you did say that. I, I did hear you. Uh, sorry about that, but um, no. but you're right. That that's the only way it could work if it was going to work. But I wouldn't want that to be some expansive, you know, fifty Amiibo thing again. But who knows if they would? But it's an interesting idea. I think Amiibo functionality is definitely going to be at E3 some more. They Certainly. Probably in the form of a giant apology. <laughs> but uh, it'll be a Pikmin short at the same time. But Okay, anything else? That you think will be there or that you'd like to see there? The only thing that I would like to see is, and this is kind of like just a, a, a wish that could have probably gone in that other thread, but, um, you know, people, since the, the next platform has at least been named and I know that a lot of people think that the reason they did that was because they had announced the uh, the partnership with DNA and they wanted to sort of uh, you know assure people that they weren't going out of the hardware uh, business but some people are also like really I think kind of focusing on that a lot more than maybe they should and they're kind of saying like oh you know Nintendo's like giving up on the Wii U it's just a failure it's time to move on so what I'm hoping to see is something that gives us the opposite impression and just shows us that they're really still dedicated to the platform at this point I don't know enough about the numbers financially to, to know if that's even a good idea I mean for all I know that could be a terrible idea uh, right. For all I know, that could be a fine idea. Maybe they're... Because Nintendo's, you know, outside of the Wii, it seems like they've been really sort of content with, like, well, our profit margins aren't necessarily, you know... Like, we do okay, it seems like, a lot of times. They're content, like, just doing their Nintendo thing, keep banking their money, no big risks, and and they just kind of keep flying along. I, so I don't know if they'd be happy to keep doing that, but... 
as a consumer right now, that's what would make me happy is seeing a you know seeing a you know mid-term dedication to to the Wii U as opposed to something that looks like they're really kind of packing up shop. Hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. I think I think you know as you as you were saying that I was trying to think of it for myself. What do I really want to see there too? And if it aligns with you, and really, as a Nintendo fan, that's that's what I want to see. I mean, the new stuff, the, the down the line stuff, the next greatest thing, that's exciting. But I have a Wii U that works perfectly fine in my room right now, and it plays great games. And there's a lot of great games I have for it. I want to continue to see that support and just feel that comfort that it's not going to just drop out from under me, and I have to spend a ton of money, get used to a whole new control mechanic, and this and that, and the whole right. buzz. It's like, um, like right now, you know, the U.S. It's Okay, a year and a half now before the next presidential election, but we've been already in the campaign season for like six months. We don't need that kind of early bullcrap, I think, either there or uh, with the Nintendo. I think I'd rather see them try to, as long as they're not kicking it out for next next year or something or this year, I'd like to see them show that dedication some more. You know, with Animal yeah. Crossing, with like a legitimate Animal Crossing and, and putting more efforts in there to make the right. Wii U really like a sleeper system where it maybe it wasn't critically acclaimed, but it had so many great games that people are going to keep remembering and referencing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't, do either of you know just, just what the state of Wii U financially is at right now? Like they're back in the black. I know they, they posted okay. a profit last year, which, okay. you know, it's, and I don't think it was, like you said, it wasn't, Amazing. It wasn't like the Wii or DS by any mm-hmm. any stretch, but I think you know it 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 keeps their they have this amazing like treasure trove of money, and you know they're, if they're making some money, that's probably good enough to keep them going going on. All I can say is that at nintendo.com slash corp slash annual underscore report dot jsp, <laughs> the annual reports stop at 2011, so that's not promising. <laughs> They just stopped sharing the information. I mean, um, the, the, what's tricky for them is that, you know, they are subject to some extent to the will of the shareholders. So what what they might be happy with might not be enough for the shareholders. So who knows? Okay. So anything else? I mean, is any final well, thoughts? Yeah, my final thought, I'd, I'd say I'm kind of bracing myself for a more quiet E3. I think because of the Zelda thing, because we're Star Fox is kind of we don't know much about it, like Joe was saying. I I could see this being, you know, in terms of like the big impact games, might not be as strong as like last year. But I'm always been the kind of guy who just wants to see like the B the B level games. So if they could come out in full force, like I'd love to see a new Paper Mario, which has been rumored. Something maybe like a Punch Out, a Golden Sun, that kind of level of game. If we get a couple of those, that would be enough to make me happy. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, um, I for for me, I think as I said on the previous podcast, um, this E3 more than any of the other ones I've paid attention to, I just have like no idea what to expect at all, and not necessarily in. The good way of like, oh, sky's the limit. It's going to be amazing. More like, yeah, as, as Hendrik just said, I kind of have tempered expectations, you know. But I think that's going to make me pleasantly surprised about whatever I do see. 
So I'm not expecting big things, but I'm expecting to just be kind of content and happy and excited about whatever they do offer. All right. And for me, I mean, I can't agree more really with what you guys are saying. I think for me, it's, uh, I think what you said, Hendrick, about like Golden Sun and uh, Paper Mario and those kind of quote-unquote B-tier games, I think those are great ways to surprise me. And surprising is what I want. I don't need to have the incredible reveals, but I can get super psyched if there's something just small, but it's just really cool and surprising that just catches me off guard. So that's what I want the most out of E3. To be sure. I'm at. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. So I think that means we can wrap things up. Uh, the next time you hear us, you'll be hearing us talk about things that have happened in the past with E3. And as far as this show is concerned, we'd love to hear what you all think out there. So come on over to negativeworld.org and find the thread for this podcast. Share your thoughts, your feelings, your predictions. Because I definitely aim to have the show edited and ready well before E3. Because uh, trying to keep You've that been an editing machine lately. I've been trying to be, you know, trying to make sure that this stuff gets out yeah, there nice regularly. And that. despite the damn length of it, remember when the show was only two hours long? Mm-hmm. That was so long ago. That was back in the NES era, I believe. But <laughs> um, if you'd rather just keep tabs on us, you know, and you don't want to really participate in the discussion, you can check us out on Twitter with the handle at negative underscore world. There's also a great place you can see all the kind of public content that we post, whether it's reviews or news or uh, just kind of roundtables and things of that nature. You can also shimmy over to Facebook. Uh, you just got to search for negativeworld.org uh, over at Facebook. And be sure to keep listening to the show because, again, the next few episodes are going to be uh, Rapid Fire E3 thoughts from a slew of negative worlders. It's probably going to end up being the next three episodes, to be honest with you. We have plans to record three different nights. We have full lineups every night uh, with, I believe, up to three guests. And you're going to hear 30 to 40 minutes from each of them talking about a specific topic from uh, from E3. And we're going to do what we did a few years uh, previously, where we kind of will ask them a series of ge- generic questions that we'll ask everybody and get the general opinion uh, beyond the specific thing they want to talk about. And... Uh, It'll be pretty cool. I think it'll be pretty great. And when it's all said and done, we'll know what the hell Nintendo's thinking right now. Finally, because they're uh, they're pretty damn good secret- secretive company. Um, so thanks to the listeners, and thanks to Joe and Hendrick for another awesome evening, uh, or morning, depending, uh, right. of recording. And uh, thanks for, for your time, as always. And uh, the listeners, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for being here. See you later. Have a good one.